Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who's a co-founder of 180 Church, wife to Dr. Sammy and pastor of Transformation. And for many of us in our community and in churches worldwide, we are in the swing of Lent. And Lent is a season where we fast for 40 days and pick up a discipline for 40 days um, so that we can grow closer to God and remove those things that we find ourselves dependent on. But there are some of these things that we may find ourselves more dependent on a scale that we were unaware of before. Uh, Some things that are tied more so to our scarcity and survival needs than um, we might have expected for ourselves. And so in this week, we're going into this first leg of Lent where we discuss how we can give up these things that we find that we might need and so that we can really see how we can dream for what God is doing in our lives so that we can be who we are and be where we're supposed to be. And so here's Dr. Sammy. Scripture today is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. All right, so we had a turbulent week with, with much going on, but part of the coronavirus... And from going from an epidemic from China now to 40 countries, becoming, we would not want to use that word, and the CDC wants to uh, treat this very lightly, but we are treading on a pandemic, which is moving to multiple nations, an epidemic moving to multiple nations. And as a result, uh, president, our president currently in the United States says this, and he was, he was uh, furious and full of animosity because uh, CNBC, Trump is reportedly furious that the stock market is plunging on the virus fears. And it was a rough week for the market. For those of you in retirements and in Roth IRAs and retirement funds and money in the market, uh, in this week alone, because of the fears, of the pandemic fears, $3.18 trillion dollars. Tell someone next to you, 3.8 trillion. Do you know how much money that is? I don't know what, I don't even know how much money that is. The the whole recession of 2008, quantitative data suggests that $5 trillion was wiped out in that period of time when markets were falling so precipitously we couldn't calculate asset classes. If you have an MBA or going to MBA, you would understand what I just said. If you don't, just ignore it. Um, but um, in, in a matter of a week, because of the pandemic fears, you have almost 70% of that amount, $3.18 trillion, wiped out. 
The question I have for you today is, what do you put your hope in? Because this economic view or economic lens we look through and live our life through is what we call a materialist view. You are a materialist. A, 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 believe in materialism if you put your money in the market because you believe what you can see. You believe in the future. And this week, so many people, and still the market has not stilled fears. Next week could even be worse. <laughs> and I did a share of investing myself in my life. Let me just tell you, you think you're up. I bought Apple at $38. No, $28. I'm not going to tell you how many shares. Right? This is before the split, okay? Even it's $275 now. Before it was $36, it multiplied that by seven. And uh, I lost a considerable amount when, when there's earthquake in Japan. So when you put money in the market and you think it's secure, you think that, hey, this is, I mean, what's a better company than Apple? I tell you right now, there isn't. There's not a better company than Apple because they sell this iPhone right here. For those of you Samsung users or any other droid, you need to, you, you losers, I mean, you need to, <laughs> you, you need to be saved, okay? You, you, Danny and Jeff, you turn all my messages green. <laughs> so if I, if I have to send you a message, I usually don't send them a message. I tell their spouses to send the message for me. But, um, I mean, earthquakes, viruses, wars. The view of materialism is that if I have enough money, enough currency, because currency and the value of that, that exchange you see in your bank account is trust the market has, the global economy has, about what a certain number is worth based on countries you live in. You see, Lent goes into the heart of this, of materialism of what you're putting your hope in, and how much materialism actually has a hold on us. Because that's the first temptation of Jesus. If you want to really reduce the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, the first temptation, which is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the tempter, the evil one in comes, says, turn this stone into bread. It's not like, turn this bread into a yacht, or a Ritz-Carlton, or a banquet feast, turn this stone into bread. Just about survival. The basic primal need to eat to survive. Self-preservation in the material realm. Right? How many people trying to survive here in New York City? Raise your hand. You're just trying to pay rent. You know what I'm saying? You hope you can buy something, but you're like, I don't know. You're just trying to survive. You know, you know what someone told me one time? I was teaching a class in California, and, and one person said, he, he, the person was a banker. And they said, you know, the only way you can be a normal person living in Manhattan is you have to make at least $700,000. After you pay the nannies, you pay the mortgage, you pay the private school tuition, all you, you just like, man, I'm poor. I said, no, I said, there's a difference between poor and broke. You're not poor, you're broke, because you have a lot of expenses. So the amount you need increases. And so, so you go, I need more, I need more. 
But can you control, really, the economy? It's been proven for the last three decades that you cannot. So are you putting your hope in materialism? That's the question I want to ask. Now I want to show you how Jesus overcomes materialism. And some of you are like, I'm not materialistic. I don't like Gucci. I don't like Prada. Some of you guys are like, I, I like that stuff. So you might be ex explicitly materialistic. You might be implicitly materialistic. And you might be judging those people with Prada and, you know, <laughs> like the Kardashians. They're so superfluous. You know, they're just so extravagant, flamboyant. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm good. And me too. I feel pride about that. You know, when we go to a restaurant, we go to KFC. My son was embarrassed with this in the very beginning. They go, how many drinks do you want? We have four people in my family. One. Fountain drinks. It's a free fountain, perpetual fountain. <laughs> like, how many drinks do you need? You have four people. One large. We tell, we take a, each, each kid takes a turn filling the drink. Go to the movie theater. How many drinks did you like? One. <laughs> one straw, one. Just one. And I make fun of those people. You know, I can't believe those people get, those families get four drinks. Come on, obesity alert. It's not even good for your health. What are you doing, right? And I just, I, you know, but, but then I began to think through this lens of what having hope in material, being a materialist is. And it's not just being flamboyant and wanting yachts and, and the bling, but it's finding any comfort, any solace, any refuge in materialistic things. And that could be just a real simple cup of hot coffee, which I need in my life, or, or, or Starbucks. You know, the millennials complain about not having enough money, the city not paying you enough. How many people feel like the city doesn't pay you enough? You know, you're treated like slavery, servitude, right? You're like, but, and you go, like, how could I save for retirement? And you, but you spend $6 on a cup of coffee every day, which it was equivalent to about $3,500, which is you can put in your Roth IRA. You just got to skip the coffee. You're like, I can't. I, I need it. So there's implicit and explicit ways of finding comfort in what, is the, what the Bible says is fading away. If you put your hope in the things of the world, it will lead to ultimate failure. Right? North Korea bombs us. That's it. The market is done. All your money has gone. Just like when Enron scandal happened, all the people that had pensions, their life was gone. They're working at McDonald's now just to make ends meet. Are you putting your trust in the things of this world? Because that was the first test of Jesus. So let's, let's read this text. So look at the text very carefully. We're going to look at the three temp temptations of Jesus for the next three weeks. The first temptation here is that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the de devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. What does he say? He was hungry. Maybe even hangry. How many people here get hangry? I do. Peeps, don't feed him. Make sure. 180 Fellowship, Pastor Billy, if he's... Uh, if he's didn't eat something, make sure, make sure someone, all the leaders of fellowship, make sure that the, the polka incident don't happen again. <laughs> because just let me just say, you can leave a bad review at Yelp, but they can leave a bad review on us at Yelp. Can you imagine the Yelp review from polka manager? I had a pastor from 180 Church come to our restaurant. 
and he was the rudest pastor I have ever met. Just, goes, just know that it goes both ways. And I can't say anything because, before, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't have all this stuff when I was younger. Than, I mean, this church wouldn't exist, uh, probably. He learned that from me. So learn, learn from Christ, Pastor Billy. Now, he was hungry, right? But what? I mean, he had every reason to be hungry. Jesus, theologically, was fully human, fully God. Although he put aside through kenosis, he emptied himself, the ontological nature of God that, that, that could never go away, but the positional power, that nature he put away and did not tap into, right? So he was hungry, and he showed that Jesus was human. So, but he was hungry. But this is not about feasting. This is not even about flourishing. This is not even about access or something flamboyant. This is just about bread, about survival. And, and here it is, at the, at the crux of the temptation of materialism, here Jesus is showing you that there's something even greater than my survival. That at something at work that God is doing is greater than my self-interest. So if you want to really just cut through what this temptation is about, right here, the point of the temptation. Why the Spirit of God led Jesus into the, de- into the desert to be tempted this way? Because it wasn't the devil that tempted him or led that temptation. It was God that led him. The point. Let's put it up. What's the point? Read it with me. Well, the whole the materialism. Jesus was human, just like us. We all need to survive. We're all trying to survive in New York. We're all trying to make it in the most, the greatest competitive city in the world, the greatest city in the world. If you're a physician, Bill Gates' daughter is doing her residency in Mount Sinai right here in New York. The richest man in the world, or the second actually richest man, because Amazon, we ordered everything from Amazon and he took that. But Beside the point, right? I mean, you're in the city where famous people, powerful people, are competing against you for your jobs. But here we see very clearly that the hold of materialism is this idea in economics, human economics. If you, how many people took Economic 101 in college? Raise your hand if you did, or high school. If you didn't, you should, okay? What is the premise of, of human economics? What is the world economy based on? There is not enough resources to go around. Therefore, I need to hoard or compound my resources to make more resources for me and my family. That's economics. It's based on the premise of scarcity, not abundance. There's not enough resources. That's why. Most half of the world is in third world countries, right? If you make $30,000 in the U.S., you're in the 1% earner. You're like, wow, really? Yeah. So the whole of materialism is strong. Because it's just about my self-preservation. I mean, I just want some dignity. You know, I just want to go to Shake Shack without looking at my bank account. You know what I'm saying? I want to take out my family without counting pennies. Is that okay? Is it okay to have health insurance and go to the doctor and get, fix my tooth and go to the dentist? Jeez. Is that wrong? No. But because you need money to live, and you need money to live a certain type of lifestyle, we put our trust in the currency, the market, the world economy. 
And that's the temptation Jesus is facing. The hold materialism. It wasn't a, a, a sinful temptation. It was just a temptation that was very deeply embedded. So you don't have to want Gucci or Blueberry or uh, Prada or, I mean, whatever these brands are. You know what I'm saying? Like the fashion icons or the yachts or Kanye West and the Kardashians flying your own jet, whatever. Like th that doesn't have to be, that doesn't mean you're not superficial. Tell someone next to you, you are superficial. Just in implicit ways. You're like, yes, that's me. Right? Because I can't give up my Korean dramas. I'll never, ever, ever give up my Netflix subscription. Or CVF, CBS All Access. I have the Star Trek Picard. I need to watch that. I have my HBO. I got to watch, you know, the, the shows. That's a materialist. And so what I'm saying you, uh, telling you is that I'm, I struggle with materialism, so do you. And that's why, we, that's why we're in this period of Lent, to see how, to what degree, the spirit of mammon has on us. Because let me tell you this, and, and catch this. If you want to really live an empowered mission from God, you have to examine your conception. Because you think your consumption is natural, and it is to a certain extent. It is the degree, though. Before Jesus could go on God's mission, this is before Jesus did any miracles, preached any sermon, before he represented the kingdom as an ambassador, his, the examination and the test of his consumption took place at even the most basic level, bread to eat. Sometimes it's better to starve if there's something higher, more transcending value than survival. Sometimes my survival is not as important than the bigger picture. Could it be the kingdom of God and it's advancing the good of everything that the kingdom is doing, renewing all things? It's more important than my self-interest? Yes. So if you don't examine your consumption, there's no way you can live on a prophetic, godly mission. And for many of us, why our lives will be inconsequential, if it is, it's because of our consumption. We never examined it. So let's look at the American hold of materialism in our context. Here we go. There was an article featured in Relevant Magazine about the percentage of tithing. This is not just our community. This is the whole community. And they said, what if all Christians in the U.S. would simply tithe 10%. The Old Testament percentage is like 23%. I'm sure they complain too. You know, there's a there's and, and you know in 188 our community we never force people to tithe. It's not like we you know go to look to you and be like, hey, you should do this. We never say shoulds in our messages. We invite you to a grace-filled living. Invite you to the mission of God, but you have to examine your consumption. But they did a study. Only 5% of all churchgoers tithe in the United States. 180 is different, right? I, I, we're, we're a millennial community primarily, but we have a 90%, which is amazing. But today, I wanted to dream a bit more as we grow in the next decade. Many of us in our staff never dreamed that we could be in the city, could afford that, but it happened. 
But let me show you what the study said. If Christians tithe, there would be an additional $165 billion available in the United States. $25 billion could relieve global hunger and eliminate debts from preventable disease within five years. $15 billion can solve world's water and sanitation is issues, especially in places where majority of people live on less than $1 a day. $12 billion could end illiteracy. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missionaries, including InterVarsity crewed domestic missionaries. And after that, there will be 110, 110 billion left over for additional ministry expansion. So we tell the world to believe in Jesus. And the world says, you don't even do what, you, what, what the Bible tells you to do. Well, our church does. <laughs> but um, what I'm saying is, if you don't examine your consumption, you can't, ex you can't live on God's mission. What if we were to dream about 180 a bit today? How many people would like to dream? I don't really like to dream. All my dreams are probably fulfilled already. I can't even believe that half the things God's done in my life already. But I, I want to dream a little bit. You know, me, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm, one of my dreams is to own a team, but I laid that down to the Lord. <laughs> Other dream was to play like Michael Jordan, and I did for a season. I believe still in my heart I was the best Asian player 5'9 basketball player ever in history, in my mind, some people would say. You're lucky I gained weight since I got married, you ballers in here, especially James. <laughs> Come on, man. I will file you from that three-point line all the time. Now, anyway, but um, people, we rent gyms all the time. Guys pay $20 each to, to go to gym just to play basketball, the fellowship. What about... The whole idea of discipleship and stewardship, where the whole of materialism is loosened through Lent, the season of Lent, examination of how we live our lives, aligned to God's mission and God's values. What if 180 could own a building? You're like, is this like a pitch today? No, just a dream. No capital building plans, nothing like that at all. Okay, We probably can't even do it right now. What if you could build a gym in the city? A cafe, a restaurant, a health clinic. What if every single person that came to Christ lived like Jesus and overcame the temptation of the hold of materialism and the spirit of mammon and began to live on a mission? 180 could be a very different place. I mean, we can do amazing things in this community. We're already doing amazing things in a smaller scale. But the possibilities, if the hold of mammon is loosened in our lives, the next decade, the things we can accomplish might be incredible. And that's the story I want to invite you to. And you're like, man, I don't know, Doc. I know your parents left you money, but my parents might not leave me any. You're right. I remember, uh, I'm not going to mention the, the people, but I know people that were in your shoes a decade ago. Attending NYU. Recently, they paid their whole debt off. 
that she was like, Doc, I don't even know how to feel. I feel like I can do like, you know, I could do a sprint, like something is, came off of me. I'm, you know, I'm looking, you know, I told my husband, hey, go eat whatever you want before there was a budget. I was like, wow, that's liberty. I mean, you know, but, but and, and she, you know, she was going to NYU, and, and tithing for her was so difficult because she grew up, I mean, and, and I tell her all the time, I'm like, yeah, you're much tougher than me. I grew up spoiled. My parents gave me my inheritance while they were alive. She grew up in a single family home, overcame all kinds of adversity, put herself through college, paid her all that up. When she was 30, I was eliminating possibilities, you know, <laughs> talking about. But I mean, I mean, you know, like, and she put God in the center of her life, and it was a struggle for her, but she did. And God has taken her places so great, and God's going to entrust her with more because of that. Right? She's our producer for our Sunday services, Minya and Kim. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that she put herself through NYU and paid it off. I'm like, wow, that's, 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 a, that's a miracle. That's God's amazing provision and grace, right? I mean, so I understand where you might be. And, you know, you, and, and those of you who are going to NYU in the future, you could not give a single cent when it would be fine because God's already provided. But I'm talking about what if we could dream about the possible things that we can accomplish, like it says here. I would, like to be, I would like to see that. So in the season of Lent, what if the first temptation of Jesus, what if you begin to examine what kind of hold materialism have over your life? And you let the spirit in. And so 180 doesn't should anyone to do anything. And it could be other things in your life that you have to let go of. But I pray that you would ask the Spirit of God to help you examine your consumption so you can begin to be aligned to God's mission. Amen? All right, so let's move down. So Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on what? But every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what's the lesson? Read it with me. The liberation of God. So if the whole of materialism and to whatever degree has taken place of your life, and, and the Bible says this, that you cannot have two masters. You cannot love God and mammon, the love of money, the, the love of any kind of material, materialism. You have to serve one or the other. The only way you can be set free from materialism is God's presence. Right? Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Meaning you do need bread. But what comes before even bread, my instinctive need to survive. It's what God is doing in my life, through my life. That there's a transcending value that's more important than even my survival. Let that sink in. Hey, I'm just like you, okay? I got to save for college, right? Like, I got to send two kids to college. 
By the time these kids go to college, tuition's going to be like 200000 a year. And hey, you know, I have self-interest too. You know what I'm saying? I want my kids to go to Harvard. And I want to try, I'm going to pay for Harvard if it's necessary. But man, that's going to be hard. You know, their safety could be NYU, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just, I can't afford NYU. It would be more expensive than Harvard. But they, I refuse to send them to Columbia. <laughs> they might come out socialist, communist, or some kind. I'm just kidding, no. Even though they did import postmodernism from France here. So there is a danger to that. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> so joking. I mean, I, I do have self-interest in mind. I mean, so it's not like this struggle. I'm, you're like, well, you, you, Doc, you're, you're free from this struggle. No. Every day we're tested about the values to live for what is eternal or what is temporary, what, what, what I can see, what I need today. Come on, people, I can't live without, I said Korean, I can't live without Diet Coke. Everybody, everybody in the hospitality team knows that if there's an event and I'm leaving, there should be Diet Coke. There's a text, you should bring Diet Coke. That's actually, it, it's unlike, I think Minyoung knows this, it's unlike the top list, do not forget Doc's Diet Coke. Water is secondary. You know when, the, when it says, the mansion I live on bread alone? Doc cannot live without Diet Coke. <laughs> you know what happens at a restaurant if there's no Diet Coke? I go, are you serious? I'm going to sue you for punitive damages, emotional damages. I mean, some, like sometimes like my son and I are eating and there's no Diet Coke. My son's like, Dad, where are you going? I'm going to get Diet Coke. Right? I said, don't eat. Don't eat anything until I come back. I'll be back in five minutes. Go to CVS, grab two bottles of Diet Coke. So, so <laughs> just letting you know that, that I have my own issues that God's working on in my life. And I could be like, man, it's Diet Coke. It's not something big. It's still something. I went on a mission trip once, and I'm, I'm going on a bunny trail here, but I'm going to go on it. <laughs> in Kazakhstan, I went on a mission trip in Kazakhstan. They had no co-drinks at all. And I was like, God, I can never be a missionary. And then I saw a can of Diet Coke on the floor. I was like, wow, there's hope. There's hope. So, so this, this, this issue is, is, is uh, with me as well. And, and, and I mean, come on. Like, if I want to send my kids to Harvard, how much money do I have to save in the market? So what happens when sometimes, you know, I remember when we just first got married and began our ministry, it was so difficult, you know, because everybody were college students and they made no money. We used to call them like, we used to call them the quarter club. They're the ones that make this 180 possible, but they were the quarter club. This, literally, people gave quarters. It was disgraceful. <laughs> but I remember we were offered, my wife and I, as a team, you know, we're pretty hot. Commodity. And we were offered high six figures to come, leave our, this dream of 180 and come work at a traditional church. And they're like, we're going to give you under the table. Under the table. We, you got it all covered. And, this, and, and God, and this the offer came when we were in Staten Island, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow. <laughs> and, and the question I had for my wife when, I was, when we first got married is, why Staten Island? I don't get it. Is the dump going to refine my character? 
I, I don't understand. Like, and then this is what I heard, the voice of God, viscerally heard over those dec- that decade. This is exactly, tell someone exactly, where I want you to be. I'm like, why are we in stand up? Why are we here? God says, inner voice, every time I pray, this is exactly where I want you to be. This is exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, well, you don't know what you're doing then. <laughs> Come on, God, I grew up in Manhattan, Upper West Side. Come on, man, my friends are in Scarsdale. Send me to Scarsdale, send me to, send me to Seattle. I will even go to Seattle. L.A., how about L.A.? Send me at least to Terrytown. <laughs> Terrytown is Westchester, okay? But why? And God's like, this is exactly, I hate that word exactly sometimes. Exactly what I'm doing. This is exactly where I want you to be. This is exactly who I want you to become. And I mean, sometimes you fear, hey, am I going to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to, you know, have a future? Is anything going to grow? And that presence of God, that whisper, liberates you from the darkness of scarcity and fear. So the liberation of God's presence is so necessary, and that's why we fast. And that's why the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. So that the presence of God becomes stronger. And wherever the presence of God is, the Bible says there is what? freedom. Some of you are in bondage to materialism in a deep way, to a higher degree or a lesser degree. Will you invite the Spirit of God to set you free? Amen? Let's stand and pray. Yeah, I thought it was pretty apparent that it's, you know, because I typically... You know, I like the angle that he went at it because extravagance and like lavishness is kind of paired with materialism to me. It's like, mm. oh, you want like the designer stuff or the, you know, the luxurious kind of lifestyle. And that's like, that's like what it means to be materialistic. But, mm. uh, you know, there are also like these smaller things that I think we go by day to day that I think I didn't, I didn't realize was materialistic. I think mm. his, uh, his, his illustration about like how you put money into the stock market mm-hmm. and such mm-hmm. like that and like what you put your trust is also kind of symbolic of like how much you place your trust or hope in small things and it was it was really funny because like I think during like during Lent season or the beginning of Lent I was having a tough time giving up something I was like mm-hmm. I don't really know what to give up uh school is hard so it's like there's like a lot of things that I find comfort in like coffee or like um even alcohol like I'm, i was like oh it's like kind of rough to give up like socially drinking with my friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that and so there was like this resistance but like one of the few things that i talked about during like the first day of lent and on friday was like i remember bringing up that i was having a tough time with money like i, mm-hmm. I remember ta- i remember talking about it with my friend at work um and i was like oh, man i think like money is like a real like idol in my life like, i just can't stop thinking about it like i feel mm-hmm. like the scarcity um and he was like oh it's not it's like i think you just struggle with it it's like a fear of yours i'm like yeah but i like think about it a lot and then on friday i was like telling my school friends like ah man i'm going on this trip in in two weeks 
um, that I like kind of committed to. And it's not like I'm working full time, so I don't really have money for it. Um, I like saved up for it, but I don't really like have a comfortable amount of money. So I, you know, I just, I, I just find myself constantly thinking about money. And then I was like, I don't know what to give up for Lent. And then on Sunday, the sermon happens. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is like exactly what mm. I felt like I was wrestling with. I didn't really think of it as materialism mm. or, but I, I think I've, I think it was helpful in identifying that there was like a deep sense of comfort that mm. I found in feeling like I had control over my money or like that I had some kind of a savings or like some kind of cushion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, those are just like way more subtle things than like, Oh, I want money because I want to blow it on like a big house or like a nice car and designer clothes, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, which was kind of, uh, I guess it. I, I mean, I mean, prophetic might be the right word for that, yeah. you know? Mm. So I thought that was, the timing was interesting and it helped me choose something for Lent. <laughs> so that was, mm. that was helpful. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think like there's a like it de- definitely an area in a lot of us. I think like Dr. Sammy really highlighted uh, very clearly for us that there are these elements <coughs> in our lives that might <coughs> that might be a part of us that we just don't realize or don't really identify as materialistic things like the dependence on like coffee or like small things that we find comfort in maybe like dependence on like needing sleep or like, I don't know if that's like materialistic, but you know, like there are like these little centers of control that we want in our lives that help us feel secure and more at peace. Um, but can kind of like limit us from seeing what God can do in our lives. If we can, you know, sort of lay, lay those things at God's feet so that we can, you know, live a missional lifestyle and like do what God because it's not like like Lent is really powerful in the fact that it's like uncomfortable and in that discomfort that we have to develop a reliance and dependence on God, isn't it? So mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of timing was a little <laughs> yeah. a little interesting there, I think. Yeah, it seems very prophetic because you're seeking like where what are the things that I should fast? Yeah. And you could name a few explicitly. Yeah. And then God made it very clear the very thing that's ingrained in you. You didn't even know mm. it was a materialistic worldview right. that you had about something, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, normally I would usually think about Lent pretty naturalistically. And it's been like, mm. I've, I've been doing Lent for like, we've been doing Lent for almost a decade now. So it's like, there's only like so mm. much that we can give up. Or like, mm. time and time again, you know, it's like, oh, I know I can give up meat or something, mm-hmm. which I haven't done yet. It's really mm-hmm. hard. Um, or like coffee or like, you know, alcohol and... You know, there are like these like, I guess, things that I consume that I feel like, or like something I partake in that I can give up. But th- mm-hmm. this is like something that's like more deep rooted in like our survival senses and our sense of security. Like, where do we place our sense of security? And it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, sometimes I don't even I didn't even realize that I don't really place a lot of my security in having faith that God is taking care of me or is my provider. Mm-hmm. And it's like I could say these things that i believe that god is you know providing for me and he's sovereign in my life but it's Mm. like sometimes my heart feelings and like actions don't always dictate that because like when i i was a little bit concerned that i was thinking so much about like not having enough and like Mm. worrying about money um but then like i know also for a fact that it's like god takes care of me financially or in whatever way that i need and it's like i forget all the time 
that mm-hmm. God has pulled through in these ways where I felt like such a lack. Mm-hmm. It happened again, like, which was really weird. Like after, you know, I was like doing my taxes and I was like, oh, I'm getting a pretty big return. Mm. And I was like, I, I like, and that this all happened like the day before Sunday too. And like, there's a like, weird feeling. There's this weird feeling I had that like, see, like, you know, I don't know what you were worried about, but you know, mm-hmm. I've always taken care of you. Um, and it's like more than enough to like kind of like almost exactly enough to kind of like float me by whatever I mm-hmm. thought I was like worried about. Um, and it's all because I'm like, and I got a big chunk of it because I'm a student mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is like, you know, like, cause I worry about like the, like student debt and stuff like that too, you mm-hmm. know, and all that. But it's like me being a student, like I'm getting taken care of in like this area is like weird i just had like this revelation that i was like mm. oh i'm like where i need to be like dr sam said like this is exactly where i need you to be where i want you to be mm. this is who i want you to become like and i was like oh man like on sunday because after i was like i felt really caught because mm. i was like oh man this is like and then i thought i was just tired but it, it must have been like i was just like kind of wrestling with this like emotionally more so than i thought i was like it was mm-hmm. kind of taxing um, but I, yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but after the sermon, it was kind of like, man, I, I, I knew it. Like there was, there was this thing, um, that I couldn't shake off, and I think God was addressing it almost like mm. di- directly, you know. Um, but yeah, that gave me the sense that it's kind of like, man, I'm kind of foolish to like have thought that like, you know, having like a couple hundred dollars saved away is going to make me feel at ease more mm. so than, you know, my provider and God the father you know what i mean yeah i'm having like several thoughts go through my mind as you're telling me that um i guess in no like specific you know order the fasting of lent is meant and we're emphasizing this more this year Mm. that i think like like you said a lot of times you know when we do fasting people are like used to giving up that one thing they always give up every year yeah the necessity of coffee for example or meat something that's more tangible mm-hmm. right and it becomes about you know i'll live without it even though i love it mm-hmm. like you were saying i mean if listeners know by now but we know you and you love steak, I love steak. and it seems like so explicit right. you know and it seems so clear like oh he probably hasn't a, you know he probably loves meat can't give up meat. yeah and it seems almost like why not just give up meat? Right. But the whole process of asking God, God, where are the places you want us to give up? Mm. What are the things you want us to give up? So that fasting doesn't become about us giving up for the sake of giving something up. Mm-hmm. But, and we said this in the last podcast, that it would be life-changing. Because yeah. that's really the purpose of fasting to lean on God mm-hmm. in the absence of something that we lean on so that it changes our lives. Mm, yeah. And so you talking about how you are kind of wondering about it and inviting the Holy Spirit to help you, you know, sort through like, yeah, God, I, I rely on these things, but what is it really you want to do? What is the work you're doing in my life? Mm-hmm. And how he makes it very clear and illuminates that. Yeah. And so... I don't know exactly what you're fasting. Oh, I'm giving up that, like, thinking about mm. money and, like, 
like you know i get like caught up like just go on like a, mm. it's weird it's like very obsessive almost it's like yeah. i think of schemes and like things i can do to make more money and like mm. can i pick up the shift like mm. you know it just like doesn't stop you know it's what like I mean? when you're my when you're not doing anything that's what's on your mind yeah. like what is one two three like what can i do what yeah. can i do more mm-hmm. how can i optimize right. so i have more yeah yeah um no, that makes a lot of sense because I think this year a lot of people are actually giving up not so much like something, mm. but people are giving up the obsession or the dependence around something yeah. that brings comfort. Mm-hmm. And for you, it's um, the obsession or thinking about or really clearly, clearly simply worrying about money. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And in place of that, you're... I'm assuming you're turning to God whenever those thoughts come. You're kind mm. of in the fast of those thoughts because yeah. it does become a comfort of its own yeah. to be to know that you're in control of thinking about it or that you're doing something about it. Mm. And that's kind of like the illusion of anxiety or worry, right? right? It gives us the illusion that we're in control yeah. when sometimes we're not. Right. But in that, you're turning to God and you're feasting on his provision and mm. the promise of who he is yeah and the goodness of god right mm-hmm. oh yeah because yeah, i was just gonna say mm. just because it's like also i think one of the things i noticed when i felt that i was kind of getting into um i guess the thick of the, that anxiety was like i immediately was thinking about changing my behavior it's like oh i can't go out as much like mm. i don't want to spend money on people and mm-hmm. like i only have so much like mm-hmm. it, it was like it was real like basic survival stuff like mm-hmm. oh, i only have enough for me that kind of thing with like these few things like i just mm-hmm. stop pr- like purchasing stuff for people and stuff mm. um and you know i think it's kind of like that that was kind of also alarming because some of the things that brought me closest to people was like right yeah generosity or like providing for people and like going out of my, my way uh resourcefully whether it's time or money and like people mm-hmm. have expressed that to me like very recently before mm-hmm. this all happened mm-hmm. um and like what i've been kind of finding also was that like with previous lens it was really it was not it's not that it wasn't difficult it was just like i knew that there was like some way i could willpower myself through some mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. to like muscle through a lot of things like if i gave up something like like physically like coffee or like mm-hmm. instagram i gave up for one season of lens it was just kind of like oh i just don't have to do those things it was just like building up a tolerance to like not do it mm-hmm but this one was like a little bit different in the sense that there's no, there's no like willpower. It's just like, sh- like straight up vulnerability. Like this mm. is just like, oh, I can't like willpower myself into not feeling, you know, scarcity or like mm-hmm. feeling like I'm not going to make it or not going to survive. Mm. Um, especially when it comes to like, uh, I guess finances in New York, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, things are ex- expensive. So, yeah. um, so this was like a little bit different. I think it was a, yeah. like a little bit more, more weightier in i think what god is doing or like how the holy spirit was like you know trying to speak to me about this yeah no it makes so much sense because i remember even for me um the fast that i remember like there was one impactful fast that i did in high school when Mm. i was praying about my calling right and this is and this kind of applies to like i think people in all places whether people are close to god have come to christ or kind of seeking even Mm -hmm. because we have seekers that are engaging in the lent event as well right Right. fasting so for me um i had a need where i was really seeking god about my direction in life you know it was really about god do i go into music in like 
any school or、mm. education is something that I was also considering being a teacher. Or do you have a specific direction for me to go to a Bible college?、Mm. And that was kind of what I was praying about. And it was not, I think it started as a Lent thing, but I continued it、um, in pursuit of that direction. And I remember I didn't know much about fasting,、um, I didn't know. How much I know、mm, now,、right. for sure, on the nuance in between of how the spirit convicts for life change. That fasting itself can lead to life change,、mm. that it's not the abstinence that leads to、right. you know, the hope for life change. But yeah, I remember, and then I just gave up red meat because、yeah. I was like, what's something that I can give up in my life without struggling too much? Because I was in high school, right?、Mm. So I gave up red meat. And very difficult decision. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? To say it wasn't that difficult.、No. I mean, presently it would be for yeah, you be because for that、me. is like your choice of meat <laughs> or choice of food group. Yeah. It、general. is your food group.、Yeah. But for me, it was、um, more like, I guess I'm making the point that, like, in the beginning of fasting, there, it's really just about sometimes the gesture of God. I am laying this down, something、mm-hmm. I live on for you to,、um, to be available more to you and、right. for you to come into my life、mm-hmm. more.、Yeah. Um, so, is there any significance per se of red meat and now? Like,、mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think so, but it's almost how God. Um, leads the process of how even intricate、mm-hmm. fasting becomes. Right.、Um, you start with what you can.、Yeah. And then as you grow up, you realize that the Holy Spirit has a specific design、mm-hmm. and a specific work that He's doing in people's lives.、Mm-hmm. That now, like for me,、um, and this is not so related to the message, of,、um, but just to kind of talk about Lent、mm-hmm. and. For me, I'm fasting worrying. Yeah. Because worrying takes up a lot of my. For me, for me it's an obsession, kind of like you with、mm-hmm. money. Yeah. And that I think about certain things and how to problem solve about certain things that I realize it consumes my mind. Right. Yeah. And it's a very different kind of problem solving than、uh, like certain subjects、mm-hmm. where I am able to give it to God, but like I literally hold it and r- ruminate. Yeah. Around it.、Mm. So for me, it's literally giving up worrying about certain things and turning to God.、Mm. And for me, I found that as I gave up worrying, it freed my time up and freed my mind up.、Mm, yeah. That I actually found so much time that I was like, whoa, I have a lot more time <clears throat> than, <throat> than I thought I had. Right. And it gave me freedom. To turn to God at all times,、mm-hmm. not just when I'm struggling, but God, I'm kind of freed up. And then, so I'm turning to God and、um, have been experiencing you know, intimacy with、mm-hmm. God like so sweetly and so deeply, right? Right. But yeah, so I totally understand that.、Mm-hmm. And coming back to the whole materialism, it's just so, and I, I believe God is doing this. Um, all around, he's、mm. convicting people specifically the things that might have not been so clear, right? And it's not even about implicit and explicit. I feel like it's like, oh, I felt like that was such a small thing, or that's、mm. such an obvious thing. I, 
you you would think like money like yeah, yeah. we need money right. isn't that obvious but it makes so much sense that that's it's literally where the spirit of god is kind of yeah i think going. right like i think there is kind of like it's not I mean, like maybe it's money for me and maybe it's like i don't know something different like maybe it is something physical for other people that like they really depend on or something something like that you know i don't really know what mm-hmm. um those small things are but it's like i find it kind of like a very poignant thing that you know these are kind of, these are like things that i think we place a lot of reliance on and dependence mm-hmm. on more so than we think like i didn't think i had an issue with money you know and like that kind of goes with sort of the stereotype of materialism like i was I never thought that I wanted a ton of money or, like, a lot of money. I just wanted mm-hmm. just enough to, like, make it through or, like, be comfortable and stuff, mm-hmm. which is not so bad. But And you wouldn't think that that's, like, very materialistic. Mm. But I think it is. You know, like, if you think about it at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I, I am still dependent on, like, oh, on that a, material yeah, thing. like a small mm. form of that thing mm-hmm. to give me comfort. Um, and it's, like, it's, it's much more overpowering than I thought, you know, because, like, you know, you know, I've been struggling with this for like years and I didn't mm-hmm. think it was necessarily a problem. I thought it was just mm-hmm. like a regular everyday thing that most people deal with. Um, but Lent is very powerful in the sense that it kind of like forces you to concentrate on yeah. that, on the specific issue that you didn't, you might have not even realized was an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like you said, it, like allowing God to work in those areas is very liberating and freeing. Like I realized if... I had if like God didn't reveal this to me, or if I might not have caught this, like I don't, I don't really know mm-hmm. what my behaviors would would look like, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, like just now, you know, some of my friends are doing like this, they do this donation thing for kids with cancer every year, mm-hmm. um, like some some of my undergraduate friends, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, one of them just reached out to me, it was like, hey, would you like to make a small donation? And you know, I and this ha- just happened, and mm-hmm. I can't help but imagine like if I felt so still like so strongly about like wanting to save money or not having feeling i have enough i could have like declined and said like no i'm sorry i don't have much right now Mm -hmm. or something like that but you know i instead it was the attitude shift of like oh i have i've i have like more than enough for me this week or something you know it's like Mm -hmm. i could give you ten dollars i'm sorry it's not much Mm -hmm. Um, but he's like no anything counts like hey i would love to like meet up again and catch up again you know it's like Mm. that that might have not happened if i felt like i was still being curmudgeonly or like you know Mm. like still tight with money that it kind of like is dismissive but it's just i think there was like this was like a reminder of one of those ways in which you know god is showing me that like hey like you've always you know if you've always wanted to be generous and you've wanted money to be generous and like to provide or give to people Mm -hmm. um and somewhere along the lines it maybe got a little bit twisted because you started being afraid Mm. um you know let's reroute that or like let's 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 discuss this again or like let's revisit this Mm. area so that like you know because this is not who you're who i want you to be i want Mm. you to be someone that is freely giving and like free from this so that you can give Mm -hmm. even if you might feel like a lack you know because you know how far is ten dollars really going to carry me even Mm. though i felt i might have felt before that that ten dollars was everything to me you know um, and so it like makes the small things small again, and like mm-hmm. I think the big things big, mm-hmm. which is one of the weird things that I'm catching mm-hmm. also. And so what I hear you saying is that the you you didn't know that money had a hold of no not the at way all. you live yeah or the way that you couldn't live, but mm-hmm. by giving it up and inviting the spirit into that, well, he was already speaking around it, right? Yeah. His presence was already speaking around it. You were able to give that ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Because it had no hold 
of you. Yeah. And you it, saw more than just scarcity. Yeah. 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 Which was like really nice because then I just I just had a really pleasant conversation with my mm-hmm. younger friend who I might see again, you know, and mm. I don't know if that opportunity might, could have happened. You know, maybe I could have mm-hmm. waited till next year, but I don't know like who I would have been next year. You know, I think it's it's kind of funny like how mm-hmm. I think God is just like starting to I guess highlight a little bit more for me who he mm-hmm. wants me to become which is like mm-hmm. which is very interesting it's just like such a fast turnaround yeah um and so like I don't want to say these things like prematurely or like offhand but mm. you know it, it gets me excited to see that it's like oh where all my time and mental energy was going into like worrying about myself like I can start to like see other people again or like see mm-hmm. how much I can be in contact or relationship or an impact with mm-hmm. other people around me which was like who I think I wanted to be and who I think I wanted to, me to be uh, from the very mm-hmm. beginning um and so it's like it is and I really like the way that Dr. Sammy talked about this mm-hmm. because it's not like these struggles go away. It's like an everyday choice we have to make, right? right? And it's like live in this world. Yeah, and it's like hard to deny, I guess those like se- like self interested needs all the time because you know like like we worry about these things, and I'm I'm sure you worry about a lot of things throughout your day. But it's like it's hard to shake off the worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like if maybe we can start doing these things, and like maybe I'm just starting to see this too. It's like. I can kind of understand now what Dr. Sam was saying about like dreaming, you know, like mm. what more can we possibly do if we're like, if we're free from these things, you know, mm. it's like, Oh, I don't know. I didn't think about those things. I was so worried about myself. Like I had no, mm. I had no time to think about other dreams. I just had like these concerns of mine, but it was like you, you lift up those concerns to God or you lay those down before God. And then, you know, you can kind of see maybe what God is doing and where you can, apply yourself or like contribute to those things that god is doing and dream with the community of god and i don't don't know it's just it's just a little bit it's it's way more fun you know or like way more Mm -hmm. positive than the way Mm -hmm. i felt like i was living this past week or something before Mm -hmm. uh this sunday because i really was like racked up you know i was just Mm -hmm. so self self self-centered or like so self like thinking just thinking about myself all the time and Mm -hmm. like now that it's like I think the fog is starting to lift. It's you. You can kind of see what's going, like the trees around, or like the forest around, mm. you know. Um, which is like I think why you know it was so important to hear this message and like why maybe this is what the spirit is doing in our community because it's like if we can all like be at that same page, like who mm. knows what could be possible. So like, much freedom. Yeah, like possibilities too. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's like. Yeah, when we're on, when we can all see what what dreams God, what dreams that God is dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my words. Yeah, no, that's you're right because it's for the sake of being freed up, and where the presence of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's mm. freedom. Yeah, and that freedom leads to dreaming about the things that God has in mind, mm. right? Yeah, and um, how. It is about loving God and loving others and how that just kind of exponentially grows as our capacity grows mm. of God's movement in our lives, right? Mm. Yeah. 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 What, I mean, also, like, I think one of the things that I think I caught from this message is that it's it's, like, interesting how 
I think Dr. Sammy framed it in such a way where we're talking about survival first. Mm. Because sometimes we don't necessarily see how survival gets in the way of how we can live for God or like mm. live missionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a huge competing commitment, I think. It's like, mm. is what I'm starting to realize or identify is that, you know, we're sometimes like we, we go to church on Sundays and we hear the sermon and we're like, oh, yeah, of course, that's the truth. And mm. that's absolutely correct. And then, like, the other six days is kind of like, okay, what about, like, me? Like, what am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. how, do, like how do I pay my bills? Like, how do I X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's like, it kind of gets, like, the the full, I think, power of what God might be doing could be lost in that survival, that week of just, like, trying to make it through that week, whether it's, like, work or, like, school and, like, I don't know, like, you know, family situations or friend stuff. You know, it's it's kind of hard to recognize that there's there's something much more that that god is doing around us when we're just so caught up with survival and like i think i'm really excited for what dr sammy's doing for the future weeks of lent because it's like oh like jesus had to overcome this like battle with survival just something so simple as bread like i would have eaten the bread i think like you know it's just like Mm -hmm. if if it was like oh i could like totally eat right now and i was like starving for 40 days like of course that temptation is so strong just to survive you know it didn't even get to like those transcendent things yet it was just like survival like can you like are you willing to you know reject that you know satiation and like feeding yourself Mm -hmm. for like what god is doing it's like i don't know i feel like i fail that all the time you know it's like maybe i've missed out on so many of the things that god is doing because i was just so concerned with like my own survival needs Mm -hmm. um and it's like if we can peel back those layers, it's like, oh, if we, if we like can overcome survival needs and like maybe even let go of those things that, you know, dictate how we survive or like the small comforts and like small things that we take solace in, like maybe we can really do a really partake in a missional lifestyle and like a very consequential lifestyle, I think is a word that really registered with me. It was like, I, I don't think anybody wants to live an inconsequential life, but it just kind of happens, mm-hmm. you know, when we think about just surviving, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like absurd if you think about the verse, right? Mm-hmm. What Jesus went through, like he just fasted 40 days and the devil offers him um, this temptation or kind of lays it out and says, if you turn this bread into, what is it? Oh, this, this rock stone, into yeah. bread, bread, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you need bread. Like at 40 days, it's what you need. Right. And um, I mean, as obvious as as that is, it's so absurd that he says, no, Mm. man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words that come from God's mouth. And it's kind of like the statement that you, I guess, what you said, you know, about this message is, that survival becomes the competing commitment. Mm. Yeah. Like, you got to say it like twice almost. Right. It's like, but we're taught like, but we should survive. Mm. Our survival matters. Yeah. But then when you really peel the layers of that survival and why it's become a com- competing commitment mm. is that a lot of those things, it's not even about excess, but the things that we think we need, mm. we never really needed it that badly to the point of compromising a uh, a calling right being faithful to mm. god to the mission mm. but that is kind of what's happening like you said like people don't mean to live an inconsequential life mm. 
But it ends up happening that way because you're just trying to survive every day and yeah. you kind of just go about um, this life. And before you know it, you're like, mm. what have I done? Right. You know, I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying, right? Yeah. I think that's like such a powerful statement, you know, because it's like, I mean, I, I would like to think and I, I, I like, I guess this is like a part of me that's optimistic is that everybody wants to live a life that is, you know, impactful and um like positive and like is you know helping people go into the direction of living a fuller life um but like sometimes like to do what is asked of us to like really do that is it's pretty difficult you know it's like it's not easy and like i think you're right in saying that it's absurd because we we re we've been told this story for like the majority of my life is like you know you know god the the devil tempted jesus to turn the stone into bread and he said no but then it's like he had the ability to turn it into bread. He was still God. He was very hungry. And he still denied that for what God is doing. It's kind of like, you're right. It is absurd that he denied that because he saw the bigger picture. Or like he saw mm -hmm. God's calling in his life mm -hmm. and who he wanted him to be. It's it's, And like we kind of glaze over it. Like it's just like a fact like or like a detail. Like, or like, oh, the enemy said it. Yeah. Therefore, that's why it was wrong. Yeah. But we don't really look into... Okay, well, yeah, Jesus could have turned into bread, but right. he saw the bigger picture, yeah. like you said. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it's like, how often might we like not, we miss the bigger picture because we were like, I'm so hungry, <laughs> you know, like, mm. like I or like I need this coffee or like, oh, I need meat or I need, you know, X, Y, and Z things in my life. And sometimes like maybe, you know, we like a lot of us might not catch that. And I think it's like, I think what, the spirit might be doing in our community that's really powerful is that it's like oh wait hold on like we do have a calling and it's like maybe it's important during the sun season to really reflect on that and see those things that are hindering us from really exploring what a life looks like that's really missional and really aligned to god's calling because we we each and every one of us have one um and i think like the spirit wants us to catch that if, you know i think right yeah, yeah no for sure no for sure you know, I always, um, so this year I remember I was reading and as I, like, um, ma, ma, what is it? Seek first the kingdom of God. Mm. When Jesus talks, um, to the people about, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you and how he, um, talked about God already knows what you need. Mm. And, you know, the world is already looking for these things that they need. Um, but the father already knows what you need. Mm. So seek first the kingdom of God. You know, and I always looked at it like number one thing, God first. Mm. Number one thing, God first. And yeah, that's true. But I remember um, reading that again and realizing why would God say that? Like, it's not just a rule. Mm. And in a way it is because God first, everything submits to that yeah. that's true and that is the framework but wondering why mm. like why would jesus talk about the father already knows like what do he mean by that mm. like so what therefore if you don't put god first like what is the heart behind that and mm. i remember i was kind of i felt god was saying like and this is nothing new it's just mm. revelation to me because to understand it because yeah. i mean it's not like i have a new revelation that's not at all what I'm saying, but there was an understanding that Jesus talks about that because he's saying, don't you know, God already knows what 
you already need. Mm. Meaning, a lot of times, it is kind of like what we're discussing here. When you go for the bread and the necessities and the things you already need and mm. what to wear and how to survive, yeah. the basic necessities, the must-haves, when you go in that trail of living, that becomes a cycle of its own that you cannot see around yeah. and beyond survival. Mm. But if you put God first and trust that he already knows what you need and you live in the direction of what he has in mind, mm. then all these other things, don't you know, God already knows that you need those things. Mm. So it's not that God does not want us to live eating bread right. or having the necessities, but it's so that we don't get tunnel vision on survival mm. that we miss the greater bigger picture right. and the dreams of God mm. that he wants to um, accomplish through his people. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, because it's like, and it's like some of these things we might, we might not even see, right? Like it's like, I think what's, what was surprising for me is that, you know, what, what I consider materialism had to be sort of, Mm. i guess re redefined mm -hmm. um because like then i started thinking like oh what what else am i like so concerned about or so like caught up with that you know takes me away from what god is doing you know what i mean because mm -hmm. it's it's i think it's like there's like this thing that i do where it's easy to fool myself into thinking i'm doing the right thing or like i'm doing the best that i can be doing in certain things it's mm -hmm. like i am doing what god is asking me of doing um but somewhere along the lines it's it's like i i, I lose that and I, I do get caught up thinking more mm. about myself like for example like when i we were joking about this earlier but like i lost my laptop charger mm. um for my computer i haven't been able to do any like school work since saturday and for me that's like really unnerving because like i find i do find a lot of solace and comfort in knowing that you know i could get a head start on some of the work that i was doing and like you know, this was this might have been the perfect week for me to like get started on things, so that mm -hmm. I don't have to like worry about it in the middle of the week. But I lost my charger, and I never lose things, which is like a weird. And to mention, you don't have like a regular charger, no, like I an have... Apple charger. No, no. You actually have like it's this a... charger from China. You said. Yeah, I have like a weird Chinese. Computer. Yeah, so no one could really help yeah, you out in no this. One, no one's. No one's. Only gonna... Amazon. Yeah, only Amazon. <laughs> so I'm waiting for one day shipping. Uh, so I don't have a laptop mm -hmm. for like schoolwork. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like. These are things I have to do and I think I need to do them. Like, I think, like, this is what I need right now. And, like, I've been getting so frustrated over the weekend. Mm. Like, I'm just, like, getting, ma like, mad at myself for, like, losing this charger. Like, how could I lose it? I never lose things. Like, what's, like, why mm. did this happen? I actually lost my charger one time before last semester and that freaked me <laughs> out. Um, but I found it, you know, so I was hoping to find it. I didn't find it. And so I was, like, resigned to having to do nothing. Um which is weird for me because I get super restless and, mm. you know, I I am super uncomfortable when mm. I'm put into that position where I know I, or I feel like I know that I have to do things, mm. but maybe that's not exactly what I have to do right now. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think it's like, I was joking with my girlfriend earlier. I was like, I feel like I'm t being forced to take a sabbatical. Like I, mm. like I have to take this time to like do nothing for some mm. reason. Cause like technically I'm not behind on work. I just wanted to get a head start. Like I'm... Mm -hmm technically on top of things um that's interesting because it's about survival yeah because you have deadlines yeah. and you have to get things done and right. do it well yeah exactly i just wanted to get mm -hmm. ahead like i wanted to get ahead of the competition like i just wanted to be like at a comfort zone and mm -hmm. stuff like that 
but maybe that's not what i needed like maybe what i needed was to like spend this time reflecting and like because like yesterday was like after the sermon was a majority of my reflection time like i like I guess I came in very well, like, processed today because, like, I thought about it a lot, you know? Yeah. Like, I had nothing else to do. Like, I had to just, like, <laughs> think about, like, how, like, this <laughs> this need for, like, security and money has just been, like, robbing me of my time and en- energy. Um, and then, like, even today, like, I went to school to, to pretty much do nothing, <laughs> but I was just looking for my charger. And, like, mm. you know, I was just kind of, like, wasting time just worrying about this charger. And it's, like... I was at a certain point I had to resign and say like I don't have anything to do. And maybe that was a good thing because like I went for a run and then I you know like just kind of spent some time alone and um, was it productive? Not really, but I think maybe it was productive for my soul because like you know like I I feel like super energetic today and like the entire weekend I was like really tired, like super burnt out. I did like mm-hmm. didn't want to be around people, kind mm-hmm. of tired um but today i'm all like peppy and like energetic and it's like it's like strange you know maybe this is what mm. i needed and i didn't know that i needed this and like mm. maybe god saw that i needed your steps are literally being redirected yeah and it's just like <laughs> it's like to to my frustration almost because yeah. it's like you know i i was so I, I usually feel like i'm so sure of like what i need like i was like yesterday i just need to not be around people but maybe that wasn't it you know maybe i just like mm. needed to recharge and like reconnect with god and like journal and all this stuff that I feel like I've been putting aside because I, I had to do schoolwork. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. I think you're, I bring that story up because I think you're right. It's like God does know what we need and mm-hmm. more so than we might mm-hmm. know. Um, and I didn't realize this. I thought like that this like feeling of having to have control over everything was what was going to get me through things. But I, it's like a, also a reminder like I'm not getting through this by my merit or by my grades like clearly. Mm-hmm. So like it's there's more to my life more more to the schooling thing and more to like whatever's going on in my life that has to do with what the lord is doing more so than like what i'm contributing to that or like what i'm doing i just i just need to do what i'm asked to do or like what i'm called to do in those moments but i felt like i was getting really caught up with the whole like i can't believe i'm missing out on valuable time Mm -hmm. that i could be you know doing schoolwork but maybe Mm -hmm. this time wasn't meant for school or maybe this time was meant so that i could spend it with god and reflect about myself and you know the trajectory i'm going and who i want to be and who god is asking me to be mm-hmm. um so it's been very reflective and i think this lens reflects that for me and you know which is why i think it's like so important that we we do have these conversations about lent and talk about it because i think it's like it'd be really cool to see a lot of people also experience similar things i think w- in their walks whether they're a seeker or believer because mm-hmm there is freedom like there there really is freedom and i don't mm-hmm. it's like kind of hard to describe what mm-hmm. that is or looks like for each person but this mm-hmm. is just like my little anecdotes mm-hmm. about it you know um the word that i get is availability mm. i think that you know it has to do with survival right mm. like just thinking thinking through all the things that you're saying you know for you it was a charger mm. and a charger is kind of like I mean, the battery runs out, then you can't use it. And in your special case, you can't charge it with anything else. (laughs) So you are basically forced to rest, right? Mm. And you're wondering, maybe I was supposed to do this and not do that. And Mm. maybe, but the word I get is availability, right? Mm. I think the survival mentality makes us fill our life 
our day, our hours with something every second, whether we're mm. filling it with some kind of comfort right. of um, food, comfort of a drink mm. of any kind, right? Or comfort of, I don't know, Netflix. Mm, yeah. And then there's the comfort of, oh, I'm doing something. Right. I'm not doing nothing. And I feel like there's a big part of, you know, and I've been like kind of like laughing. Um, this might sound a little silly, but like I've been kind of like laughing with God and just like the puns around it because he speaks me through puns a lot. Mm. It's like, um, I guess just kind of wrapping it around. Like for me, when I gave up worrying about certain things, it literally freed up my time. Yeah. And therefore, I found freedom. Mm. And in my freedom, and in the process of experiencing that freedom, um, I was turning to God. Yeah. And by turning to God, I had even greater freedom. And now I'm freed up to, I'm realizing that the word dreams of dreaming with God is something I'm available for. Mm, yeah. Or living presently the dreams of God and not... What should I do next? Or what do I need to do next? Mm. But being led by the Spirit. Because mm. really the word is Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right. And I guess another way is like where the presence of God is, there is freedom. Mm. And for you, you're, you know, you're like, oh, maybe I should have done, maybe it's because I, I should have done, I could have done this yeah. and reflect. But the word I really get is availability. You're available and therefore, you're able to think mm. about these things and really reflect. Right. And you're available to your friend who asked for a donation. Yeah. Not It's not just a means to an end for survival, even for cancer, per se, mm. or the foundation. But you're available because your life is being freed up. Your heart is being freed up. You're available to your friend to, mm. to build this relationship with them that in any other way you wouldn't have really thought about. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so true. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's just so amazing. Like I, the steps of um, giving something up and even like, you know what? And sometimes I think it's like backwards. Like someone might be like, well, it Len started two weeks ago. I decided to fast this. So I'm going to stick with this. Yeah. But it seems like the Holy Spirit is really leading. Like, okay, there is something about keeping your word. Mm. But be led, right? And yeah. you came to an, an understanding that what you were meant to give up this Lent was really obsessing and worrying about money. Yeah. And it came in two weeks in because really you're in the process of submitting to what God is doing mm. and the work of God. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think like the whole process of how God is leading people is, Really the work of God freeing people up because in the freedom of God, there are the dreams of God. Yeah. It is always for more. Mm. And I think as human beings, like we always get kind of like caught up in the means when the end, what the father knows that we need, mm. the purpose, the dreams, like what he's made us for so much bigger is like, is, I don't know, like three doors down. Yeah. But we always get stuck on 
focusing on the means right that it becomes the end right like survival becomes the end survival becomes a very competing commitment that keeps us from overcoming all these things so that we can see more mm. do more right. you know achieve more for meaning yeah you know um because it's interesting that sam brought up not just fasting for the sake of sacredness yeah but it is for the dreams of god mm. it opens us up the freedom of god opens us up to be led by the presence of god and not the needs of every day mm, yeah and that's why it's like for me you know when i was leading worship and um house of prayer before we um, went into um the actual service was the word i kept getting was obstruction mm. and um I didn't know exactly what I was praying for, but I kept saying, God, like today I am praying against this word obstruct, obstru obstruction. Mm -hmm. um, what are the things that are hindering people from seeing beyond it yeah. or seeing beyond now, seeing beyond the needs? And kind of in hindsight, looking at it, it is very, it is what God seems to be doing. Like he, he's saying, you know, the security that you feel mm -hmm. around these things of the world, you know, from the big things of the stock market to, you know, who the leader will be or your grades defining who you might become. Really, mm -hmm. it's about what you will achieve, right? Yeah. Um, to the little things as, well, I need that coffee because that's a self-investment to myself. Don't right. you understand? That's my self-care. I need that. But God is saying he wants to remove anything materialistic of this world from taking that very place where God is the center voice mm. of security, of greater things, mm. of deeper things. Right. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense because it's like, I think it's really important that you brought that up because it's it's almost like Lent is the time in which we can really reevaluate the things that are make us unavailable to what God is doing or what God is talking to us about or dreaming with us about. Because it's like, I think one of the things I catch for myself is that like when I'm too preoccupied with something, I don't really... I guess I didn't really make time for God or like I, without even knowing, like I thought I did, like I thought I was reading the word. Um, cause I try to read the word every morning and it's like, I thought I was, I picked up the discipline of praying and like praying for people specifically, uh, for this Lent. So it's like, I thought I was doing that. You know, it's like, I thought I was making space for what God is doing, but it's like, Oh no, there was like, I was, I was still so preoccupied with my survival that it's like throughout my day. It's, uh, I didn't make the space and time for to hear what God is doing in my life. And I was unavailable to God. And I guess it's like God is always speaking to us. And like God is always trying to move us in the direction of what he's calling us towards. Mm -hmm. And it's like if we don't make ourselves available and if these if these things get in the way, it does obstruct us from um, living a missional lifestyle or like living our lives for God. Right. Um, and so it's like it's I think it's it totally makes a ton of sense maybe why I'm, I'm experiencing what i'm experiencing and like why for this moment that i i think like with what i'm giving up for lent there's a lot of clarity about you know who i want to become and who god is asking me to become and there's i, th I think like making ourselves available in this season of lent to what god is doing is like 
the position we we want to be and we ask and we invite people to be in so that we can really experience you know a powerful life or like i don't know like a life that really reflects who god is in our lives and you know how god does have our best interests in mind and even more than that right it's like because sometimes what's frustrating sometimes for me is that sometimes i'll think like i know i know what i need and like god is doing the exact opposite of like what i need but it's but then it's like and i'm it, it comes from a self-interested place of like putting my own interest first but god is negating that not because it's like the wrong thing but it's it's just not the best thing it's like mm-hmm. not the better thing it's like there's mm-hmm. there's better things right like so you could eat bread or you could eat the word of god and mm-hmm. pretty positive the word of god is better than the bread like mm-hmm. you could have all the bread if you have to choose yeah if you have to choose right mm-hmm. bread is good but it's like you know you live on the word of god so it's like you why wouldn't you choose that but sometimes it's like we get so preoccupied with wanting to eat bread that it's hard to make us ourselves available to the word and we're like what god is doing and so you know i think it's like a really important point to bring up the availability for making ourselves available for god you know Mm because it's like sometimes i think we get so cluttered up with things like things we need to do or things we need to take care of like things that we worry about um things that we're concerned about you know deadlines and such but you know how often are we really making that intentional space for what god is doing right yeah no for sure you know this is so i'm just thinking of all these things um in my mind and i know i know that holy spirit is already speaking to people Mm. and as people have heard the message people already are being convicted of what that might be maybe it's it's kind of like the devotional that sam read at the end it's kind of like people are being led to identify one step at a time it seems and it's not always like big bam like conviction that's it yeah but it's like in one step obedience to by another there's an understanding that's peeling off Mm. of the very core because not everything is very clear per se Mm. it's really okay no i don't have um an addiction to anything no i don't have nothing has hold of me i'm living my life for god i I show up and then you realize uh but that thing that that thing might have a hold of me but okay i'll give it up for lunch but and then you ask the question but why right and then it's in the why that things start unraveling Mm. well oh and then you realize one step at a time one layer at a time that actually it's a lot deeper than right. that. Right. There's like a deep, deeper psychological significance or emotional significance to some of these things that yeah, we give up, right? Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's what I'm getting also. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, when I came back from church yesterday, um, so I have this thing. I'm always kind of like reorganizing my home. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, yeah, there's accumulated stuff you know, in our home. Mm. And it's mostly surrounding me, not so much Sam, because Sam's actually very good at like getting rid of things. Mm. But there is a part of me that tends to hoard, but oh. not like in a way where I need one of, I, I need every single one of those things yeah. because, you know, like I collect stamps or yeah. I collect cups. It's not like that. But there is certain things and, where it didn't necessarily belong to me, but they were kind of 
given to me in collectiveness or whether you know what i mean mm-hmm. i guess i'm trying to make the point there are things that i end up hoarding so what i started to do and reorganize and it's like a big goal of mine yeah to unclutter and for me it's a lot more significant than having an orderly home for the yeah. sake of having a nice home because i realized that every thing maybe not everything but some things have an a- emotional attachment mm. to me yeah and i think to people yeah and so that's why a lot of times it it is more than what it is. It mm. is more than that mug or it yeah. is more than that, you know, antique plate, Right. you know, because it has a deeper meaning and what that might mean if that were to break or if I were to give that away. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. Because I think there's like some of these, because like one of the things I considered giving up and I, I struggle with it a lot is like maybe giving up the gym because it's like, there is a certain significance that the gym like provides for me that I think is like very hard to give up. Like whether it's like a masculine image or like um, this, you know, idea that I'm somebody that's committed to like hard work and like all this stuff. It's, there's like layers of messages that like these things that provide, like for example, the laptop thing that you brought up was also like, there's the feeling of having a sense of control or like my ability to do what I need to do whenever I want to do it, you know, like that sense of mobility or like even the dependence on money and the security of it. It's just like these things run a lot deeper than just what's on the surface, right? Like coffee for some people might seem like, you know, a way for them to start their morning, but maybe it's like a deep sense of comfort that, you know, like provide, like they can't start their day without coffee. So it's like, maybe that has like a much more significant hold than like, just like, the fact that you enjoy drinking coffee like they're they're like mm-hmm. maybe um when we think about like some of the things that are hard for us to let go that it has that sort of attached attachment to the self like some some sort of like way in which we identify ourselves mm-hmm. through it you know to a degree if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. and i guess just like stuff laying around in mm-hmm. the house is just a visual image right. of that it's not always symbolic image mm. of what's going on in the inside, but there are a lot of things that we don't need per se. Yeah. That kind of takes room in our hearts and mm. our lives, you know, for example, our homes, mm. right? And we live with them because it's hard to let go. Mm. But when the process of Lent, what God seems to be doing is he's helping us identify that there is a connection that we draw of some sort of security of survival mm. and he's helping us let go so that those things really in the end are things. Yeah. Um, whatever hold it might have of us, of the greater part of us, the very core of us, he's helping us let go of that. Right. So that there is a replacement of something greater. Mm. Yeah. I... And again, the word I get is availability. Right. Because when something comes something is filling a space and that is no, is not so needed mm. d- deeply right when you realize that when you take that out of the space the space is available mm. for something else right you know yeah for sure okay the, the example that i think of like one of the illuminating things for me during lent like years back was when i was addicted to smoking cigarettes i think it's like 
I didn't like for some reason I always had this feeling that I didn't really need to smoke cigarettes, but I just I just got addicted to it, you know, because like mm. my friends smoked it. Um, and it was during Lent where it was like, you know, giving up cigarettes is really hard. Mm. Quitting cigarettes just in general was just really hard. But like for that Lent season, I realized it was really hard because it wasn't like the cigarettes that gave me comfort. It was the fact that I got to smoke them with friends or mm. like. So there was a social aspect. Yeah, there's a social aspect. Mm. There was like this part that made me feel accepted into like a small group. It's like, mm. and that like, I think during that time that occupied a lot of my life. It's like, am I accepted by people? Like, do people, am I significant mm. to people? And, like, me feeling like I was part of a small group, no matter, like, what activities were, like, smoking cigarettes, like, just brought me, made me feel like I belonged. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, questions about belonging and questions about significance and whether I matter to people was, like, a big, big theme during Mm -hmm. that, that time in my life. So, it's, like, that was, like, what I was really wrestling with, I think. Not so much to the, the physical cigarette or, like, the fact that cigarettes are bad for you and things like that. It was just, like... There was like a deeper significance to cigarettes or like even alcohol, like socially drinking with people like did I need to do it per se? It's like, no, but I like kind of almost fooled myself into being this person that was like drinking a ton of alcohol and like Mm. cool because I was drinking a lot of alcohol and or accepted by like my friends at school because, you know, I was was a quote unquote tank, like I could drink a ton, like a lot. So but it wasn't the fact that it wasn't the alcohol that I needed. It was just that validation. It's like people Mm. saw me or like i also remember uh i have a ton of these i guess uh, but i also remember that uh there was a point in my life where i was finishing everybody's food mm. um i didn't think it was like a bad thing like i, th- I was just eating i was just finishing people's leftovers because i was you know big and like i was like <laughs> oh this is important for my like post-workout recovery meal or whatever but it was like there was there was like a thing someone brought up with me it's like hey like why do you finish people's food i was like i don't know i, I don't want to waste food but it wasn't really that. It's like I think something about myself. I identified myself as someone that was like, like, had to like. I didn't. I don't want to say this like harshly, but like I guess treated myself like garbage almost. Like mm. I was just like cleaning things up for people or like mm. you know there was like it's a lot deeper. Yeah, than it was seems. much deeper than what I thought it yeah. was. Like I just thought I was like I don't like wasting food, and I'm just trying to like make sure that no food is left on the table, no matter how full I am or something. Mm. But then there was like this thing where I got like some kind of validation that I was like hey like being the person that people went to to like mm. finish their food because they knew they couldn't finish their food so i was just like i took some kind of weird pride in that i guess like mm-hmm. oh i'm like someone that's responsible or like can take care of people's food it's like but i didn't need to do that for people or like but i felt like i needed to do it and it's like mm-hmm. i guess like that's kind of like what that area that the holy spirit is tackling is like it's those, those small things that i think we we define ourselves by like a need like we need these things that define us like tell us who we are like the, like fight where you get our significance from mm-hmm. or like identify with whether it's like drinking heavily smoking or like um working out even like that's like one of the things that i feel like might be on the list some mm-hmm. sometime in the future but it's like these things we draw our identity from or like describe us in a specific way that maybe that's not like who god wants to describe us by or like you know that's not god's image of who we are like this maybe there's something more Mm -hmm. that's like making us unavailable for like that that identity in god yeah Yeah. i was gonna say that that it's peeling off the layers Mm -hmm. and seeing that that small thing you thought was like ah funny it's like oh silly i should stop that right it's going deeper into identity because it's shaping identity in a certain way and god is saying you know what that is not Mm um something to base your identity on your identity is way more precious and mm. and worthy 
based on who I am right. in you. Yeah. So it's a lot deeper. Mm. And yeah, it is also peeling off the layers because it's one step at a time realizing. Right. You know, and there's so many of these things as people are trying to identify what it is mm. also, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, because it's, you know, bread is not something God doesn't want us to have. Yeah. Like, I think we could be like, oh, what? So God doesn't want us to do that. So uh, should we fast the bad stuff? Mm. Like, there's no bad or good here. It seems like what Jesus is talking about here is necessity. Yeah. That there are certain things that are deeper in need Mm. and so much more important than what you think is so necessary right. for survival mm. and as much as like i would like to say it's just symbolic but it's literal it's bread right after 40 days that's all you want right. you know so it's it's so obvious but yeah it's so, also like slippery like it's yes. like hard to like define i think because it's like um because it's not like Jesus didn't eat bread afterwards, you know? It's like, I'm sure, like, after the fast. Bread. Yeah, he yeah. ate bread. It's not like he denied bread for the rest of his life. Right. Right. It's just kind of like, are but, you willing to, like, lay that down in this moment for, mm-hmm. like, something greater? Oh, something greater. Mm. You know? Um, I guess, like, one of the things that, like, like, is just, like, really fresh in my memory is that, like, I had a friend that always wore, like, these, this, like, had a huge shoe collection, like, gigantic mm. shoe collection. And it's, like and they were like like expensive shoes like it's just like, like a whole ton of them and it's like for him it was like really important that people saw that he had these shoes because it said something about him or his mm-hmm. status or his like wealth or you know that you know he's like fly or whatever mm-hmm. and he's like or that hey. he's up to date yeah mm-hmm. so it's just like there was that it, it wasn't about the shoes it was just like what it meant when people saw him or like how he identified himself right it's like there are those like very subtle nuanced things that i think are in our lives and occupy space in our lives that you know we don't need to validate who we are because like god validates us you know and i think it's mm-hmm. like kind of like the journey of jesus's fast was like there was a there's like an identity that he was in crisis of like some kind of you know test of like who he is and like what, mm-hmm. who, who he is going to be mm-hmm. you know and it's like i guess it's like similar for us it's like who do we want like is that enough for us is this bread enough for us or is there like something more mm-hmm. that god is doing in our lives that's mm-hmm. more that that we we just can't see yet or like god is telling us about that we just mm-hmm. aren't really getting to yet because this this stuff or like this thing is just getting in the way right yeah or like the stamps on your passport shows yeah. that you you're going places right oh is that um, a thing like people collect stamps yeah now? or you know another thing like souvenir right mm. i went here and i'm going places right i I am, I make money so that I can go on vacation just mm. like you. Yeah. And I think that's a big security struggle as well mm. because it's about identity. It's about security. It's about this is where I'm headed. Yeah. Again, goes back to identity, mm. right? Yeah. So many things. Mm. So, you know, I've been married almost nine. Okay, I've been married almost 17 years. Oh. It's going to be 17 years this March. Oh, wow. Oh, we're in March oh, now. Yeah, we're, yeah, we are in March. And I guess just going back to, like, stuff, right? Um, last week. So, you know, when you get married, you get all these, like, sets of, I don't know, dinnerware. Yeah. And um, cookware, which really means for anyone that's not there yet, it's like, 
pots and pans yeah. and you get plates mm-hmm. and you know all these things and my my this one uh i had many sets and over the years they all break and you know it's funny because when you first get married the first thing that breaks while you do dishes yeah. it's like oh man like this is from my wedding and yeah. there's such an attachment to it like mm-hmm. And you don't even realize it. And I remember feeling that when I first got married, like, oh, now there's three, not four. But, you know, over the years, you realize, like, things break, you know? Mm. So I never really had attachment much to it. But recently, I think last week, the very last plate, it was the very last set. One of the four things that were left, um broke mm. like i was doing dishes and something fell on it like a mason jar fell on it and like literally broke in half mm. and i was like oh there goes that last plate yeah and i had no attachment to it mm. and i just say that because like you think these things matter so much right. at certain points in life and then you realize it really doesn't matter it's just a plate mm. and then i was like oh well i have plenty of other plates and it was kind of refreshing like i could move on yeah And it almost felt like symbolic of, for me, like, okay, so old is gone, new is here. Mm. Like, we can replace that. Yeah, you could get more plates. Yeah, Yeah. there's plenty. There's paper plates, there's plenty, you know what I mean? And I guess, and I think a lot of people put attachments, you know, going back to that. Mm. And it becomes an obstruction of moving forward, whether it's hoarding, like, you know, you don't have to be a hoarder to have 20 different same things. Mm. You could be a hoarder because you're holding on to that one extra thing you don't need. Yeah. And you could be a hoarder without realizing it in a sense, yeah. you know. And but really when we hold on to survival, it really makes us miss out on what God has in store. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, I don't know. I have so many examples like this. Yeah. But um, it was interesting for me and prophetic for me that Sam was talking about dreams because, you know, even when you're being faithful every day, sometimes you forget that it culminates to something greater, to a dream of mm. God, you know? And sometimes, and faithfulness is important. But I'm talking about like the perspective of how we become so tunnel vision that it becomes almost, maybe it is not about so much faithfulness. I'm trying to like differentiate this, right? But it is not so much about faithfulness, but I think we have so much about, there's so much about our focus and our meaning to everything that we do that Mm -hmm. sometimes it becomes about us when it is really about something greater. It is about me being faithful when actually we're being faithful so that we can become entrusted with more Mm. for the glory of God or the dreams of God, Mm. that it would culminate for things to come together for the purposes of God, you know? And for me, when that plate broke, Mm. it and when I heard this message and was was reminded of the dreams of God, it reminded me not so much like why I do what I do, but that there is, there are new chapters that God wants to open mm. with his community. Right. 
and that without old things being gone that take up space and i think that's why i'm so big on freedom availability yeah. of time availability of heart availability of space the things that god wants to do and the things that the holy spirit wants to bring into our lives mm. can get obstructed right from coming in when other things of old are filling up and i feel like there is a sense of God is kind of helping us peel away the old stuff mm. that don't need to be there, but for a season we felt we needed it. Yeah. And God's helping us see beyond that, that there is more. Mm -hmm. And so if dream is the culmination of things on earth for the sake of his name, for the glory of God, for, for heaven, right? Then there's so much more to it than like our focus now mm. even though our focus and faithfulness matters so i think it also like i think for christ he could have said many things but he says it is written for we sh we should not live by bread alone but, but man should not live by bread alone but by the words that come from god's mouth he brings god into the picture mm. as a reminder like what i'm doing why I'm saying no to this, even though I, that's something I need and want, is because this is not about just me. It's about God's glory. Mm. It's about God's plans. Right. There is a greater picture in a, that he brings up. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I think same for us. God is saying there is so much more than what you see, what you're holding on to. Right. So... By step, God is in that process of helping people recognize what it is. Maybe it's in the past. Maybe mm -hmm. it's the attachments of things we have right. in the materialistic and material world that we hold on to. Mm -hmm. But God is saying, let's make room. Can you give that to me? You know, and tithing is like the very core of that, right? Yeah. To make God... Um, to declare that, God, you're my provider mm -hmm. with just the 10% of saying, God, what I make, I give back to you. This right. 10% as a sim symbolism, but literally because it's money. Yeah. Saying, God, to, to say, you are my provider. Right. You know, to, and what is it that Sam used to say when he used to teach? To say, this garden belongs to you. Right. This life belongs to you. Mm -hmm. What I have belongs to you. You're at the core of that. Right. You know, so there is peeling off the layers for something greater. Yeah. For something new, mm. new chapters. Yeah, I can see that a lot, actually, because I think it's like, I think something that I've learned about Lens over the years that is that like the things that I once thought I knew about myself have to be like sort of updated so that I can make the space for what God, like who God is calling me to be. It's always, mm -hmm. it's always been like something about how I saw myself or what I saw about what I needed in order for me to be like the best me that I can. Like whether it's like mm. these external things, like these vices or like social things that I got involved with to like updating it so that I can see what God is doing in my life. And like the imagery that I got when I guess you were speaking about it's like, sometimes it's like we have our nose to the grindstone so much. Mm -hmm. Like if there's like a field that we're plowing, we're just like plowing and mm -hmm. going at it. Cause it's like, Oh, this is like what we're called to do and what we're supposed to be faithful to. So I'm just going to like 
do the thing that you know I think is like necessary when it seems like at a certain point we're supposed to see that the season changed and like take a step back and see like you know what is happening with the field as opposed to like Mm -hmm. you know being so concerned with like the crop or like we're like you know the work that we have to do or Mm -hmm. like the the things that we deem are necessary for us to be a part of because and to make that space for like what's next Mm -hmm. almost like it's it's kind of like loose my imagery but it's like Mm -hmm. to me it it it's almost like clearing up the space and like yeah, you know, I think it, it has everything to do with availability because it's clearing up that space of like those things that we once identified with before so that we can usher in that new stuff that God is doing. Because it's not like we're done, you know, like it's not like at any point in our life we're just a finished product or like this is the end of who we are. It's like God is always ushering in more and like mm-hmm. increasing our capacity for more and, you know, increasing our flourishing for more and you know like our impact and influence for more it's like it's like it's always like more with him you know it's like it's always like more for us mm-hmm. and not just for us but for the sake of others and for what god is doing as a whole and sometimes it's like it's like lent kind of offers that season of like seeing what god is doing that is also more again like there's a, and i think that's kind of maybe i i think is that what you're saying because like that's that's just the way that i, I tend to mm-hmm. feel because it's like every year or like every so often like i feel like i'm not who i used to be Mm. um i don't think a lot of people may understand that because it's like you know i think it's kind of a unique perspective to to feel Mm -hmm. that way Mm -hmm. because you know usually there's like a certain like settling or like contentedness with who you are it's like oh this is like who i am it's like you know like i've always like heard that you know once you hit your 30s or something it's like this is kind of like who you are for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but it's like I don't think that's true. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I see, like, the people around me in our community and in our church that I've been with for a decade and are mm-hmm. in their 30s. They're not the same people. They're different people. There's more. There's, like, mm-hmm. more stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that could have happened if we remained the same or thought our necessities and our needs were the same as they were a decade ago. Mm-hmm. It's, like, things had to change. Things had to be updated. Things had to be removed mm-hmm. so that there could be room for something new. Those things had to go. So, you know, it's, like, that process mm-hmm. of, like, cleaning out this this the mess or like the stuff or like the things that we had before so that we can bring in the new things that like god it's like it's like if if like you know you were like delivered this like amazon god package every year for like some new things to you know bring into your life because he wants you to have them so that you can you know add them to Mm -hmm. you know does that make sense i don't know it's just like a weird analogy clarify that on <laughs> what it's just like you Last know year at amazon got yeah it's, again? it's like you have like a certain like i guess like <laughs> like i guess a unit or a storage or a house right oh, it's like uh-huh. you know and it's like we could see in parts yeah saying. you know mm. and it's like you know god is like bringing things in and like mm. we have to move things out and it's like sometimes it's like when we're like hoarding things it's like we sometimes There's we don't no run out of space mm. you know so either the house has to get bigger or like the you know <laughs> that we have to get rid of stuff you know and it's mm. like to make space for all this all these things that god is bringing to us or asking mm-hmm. us to um make space for and it's like we we have to make that availability right and so it's like yeah, it was sort of like a loose analogy. I think that's like yeah, as no. far as I got. I think, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. That there are parts and it kind of culminates to yeah. something greater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's 
what God is doing is helping us make room for those things. Yeah. Which even means removing that very core belief of what we think we need. Right. So that he could replace that. Mm. Anything we find solace or comfort in this world is not meant for that. Yeah. That is meant for Christ. Yeah. They're like earthly comforts as opposed to like eternal, like. Yeah. And eternal purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, um, the words of this song has been really whispering. God's been really whispering into my heart. And, um. It's the part in the song Potter's Hand by, I believe, Shane Jane. Darling, no, Darling yeah. Check. I'm Close not sure if she read it. Oh, she uh, wrote it, but it's by Hill Songs, mm. um, Old Hill Songs. And it's this line from the song Potter's Hand that says, You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. It's been repeating in my mind and in my heart in the last week. And it's that line, like to live all my life through your eyes. Mm. You know, in the beginning, it sounds vague, but if you think about it, you realize that God has a design for each one of us Mm. to live free, to live for meaning and for purpose. Mm. And that it's really an alignment to becoming Right. And being formed, mm. you know, into the image of Christ, like as we have been created. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's there's like a re- recreation of that. And I love that Sam talked about how, you know, he shared his own, you know, moments of why Staten Island yeah. or you know, God, I'm from Manhattan, like, don't you know? Like, mm. And he shared about how he, God always reminded him, Sam, you're here exactly where you're supposed to be and you're exactly who you're becoming. Yeah. And I think that's very true because when it might not make sense per se in the moment, but it's in the presence of God and the voice of God and the Spirit's work mm. where... All the doubts of what we think we need subsides and what God is doing. His work becomes the very source and the very power and the movement that takes over our lives. Yeah. It's in that alignment to, it's really His will, right? Yeah. That we become and we are led in direction mm. to the things and the dreams of God. You know, that... Mm. And this song, I think, is has been really powerful for me. And I, it's something that I've been praying for the community as well. Like, it's the process of God gently calling us into His presence. God calling us into His presence really means that in this world, we have the material things. Mm. But He's calling us out of that from the material world into another reality where we find sustenance, where we find security in the very food that Jesus talks about, right? Mm. Like to do the will of God is my food. Mm. And being led to this life so that every part of our lives has and breeds meaning Mm. because it is no longer, um, not associated, but 
kind of um, living off of the things that the short-lived things of the world yeah. can sustain us by. You know right. what I mean? And as absurd as it might be to the world, that is kind of the exchange of replacement that God wants for our lives. Yeah. To replace the things that we think absolutely need and god is kind of saying well you need this more hmm. than that yeah you know right does that make sense it does make sense because i think it's like sometimes because we know that i think it's like in our minds that god has a design for us but because of our survival mechanisms and like our scarcity mentalities it's, it's often not easy to like put ourselves in that that line of sight you know i don't mm-hmm. think it's like it's like hard for uh, especially like even for like not even for me but like for me it's like really hard to like mm. be intentional and think about like what who god sees me as you know mm-hmm. with, with that if if i'm just kind of like caught up with mm-hmm. stuff and it's like we know that this is like god's call for us into his presence so that we can see the things that he sees right and so mm-hmm. that we can envision and dream the way that he dreams so that like you know we can be positioned for like very powerful lives and ones that are, you know, ultimately going to bring glory back to God. Right. Because it's like, he's done all these things in our lives and he's doing so much in our lives. Um, and so it's like, for me, this, this makes a ton of sense. Cause it's like Lent is like a way in which that we really focus on, what god is doing because that's what jesus did right like jesus was really intentional highly focused on the things that he was receiving from god the identity he was receiving from god the the word and the bread that he got from god as opposed to like these things that we could be so easily caught up with that are like temp temporal in comfort like it just Mm -hmm. like kind of is like like how, how long do we get hungry again after we eat you know it's like these things only last so long Whereas, like, eternity, like, for us and, like, for others and with God and for God is, like, what's at stake at mm-hmm. for, for many of us. That it's, like, I guess it's, like, it makes that magnitude very apparent for me. And it's mm-hmm. also, like, you know, like, this is how God is, like, shaping us. Like, I, I really like that song Potter's saying. Like, I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've been, I've heard this song for, like, a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe since I was, like, 12. But, like, you know, it's, like, that's, you know, he's, he is designing us. And he's, like, shaping mm-hmm. us. But, it, you know. So we have to allow for that process or like we have to see like who he's shaping us into or like what kind of pot or like pan or like mm-hmm. clay thing that he's making us so that, you know, I guess we can serve the purpose of God, right? Or we can serve, you know, the Lord. Yeah. And why Jesus was so focused on what is written and what is the voice of God and the food of God is because he was always in pursuit mm. for people to know about this salvation, of yeah. this redemption. So he was never pausing for the sake of comfort itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was always towards a direction. Yeah. Like forward. Yeah. It was meaning over comfort for him. Yeah. It was a purpose. Yeah. And just like pottery, pottery is for the sake of a purpose. Mm. It becomes something for a reason. Right. Right? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's true. I'm just like thinking there's so much journaling that I want to do this week about these things that we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, for me, journaling really helps me to process and peel off the layers yeah. of what I think it is. Mm-hmm. And God is always 
surprising me with how much deeper or how um, much um, more meaning there is to something. Or mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like stuck on one thing and God is like saying by spending time with him, he will kind of redirect me mm. from that one thing that seems so clear to yeah. something else, which also we talked about right. today. Yeah. And you know, the Lent season on Sunday, there's feasting. Yeah. Just want to talk about that for a little bit. It's not like to go back to everything yeah. that per se, but there is a sense of like, you know, um, and I would think every week there is a change of how, you know, like, for example, like there's a reliance or a comfort found in, I guess, I don't know, like Netflix per se, and mm. someone is fasting that to make room for God. Mm. And by Sunday of feasting and whatever the Netflix shows it might be, or just a symbolic Netflix that there's something to fill time or to mm -hmm. fill the mind um, emotionally. It must be pretty cool to see that it doesn't have that hold, mm -hmm. but it's just, oh, entertainment like right. available. But the hold that it has is less mm -hmm. than before, right? right? So there is a process of progress of what God is doing yeah. also, right? Yeah, I think so. That the feast itself becomes different. Yeah, it's not like a dependence or need as opposed to like maybe a newfound appreciation or like... Um, or perspective. Know. Yeah, perspective. About things right. in this world. Like the things that we have that, you know, maybe like we don't... Like we don't... Like, like a lot of the things we have are kind of like luxuries yeah actually right? they are luxuries, they are luxuries right. yeah. so it's like you know when we feel like a need and dependence on that we kind of just take them for granted it's just like all oh, part of my life whereas it's like it refreshes us to see that these are like things that god gave us like these are netflix is something that god provided or i don't know you know like people made it like you know but like you know we we have it in our lives that mm -hmm. like brings us i don't know some joy for that moment and um coffee is something that we can enjoy you know right it's like these things that remind us that these are great things but like the greater thing is that god gave these things to us or like this is this is like all because of who god is in my life that maybe i'm where i am or i am who i am today um because of who god is in my life we're like you know it's like it does put things into perspective i guess is yeah what I you know I, just I, like places things where they they belong like mm -hmm. It no longer has a hold of us right. into the very deep places mm -hmm. where it really, at the end, it's so absurd, but like these things do take place of our hearts, of our lives. Yeah. Because we feel we need it so badly, right? right. I remember there was, um, if God called you to go to Africa, can you go? I mean, these are questions like. Yeah, I remember those questions. Yes. Like the 2000s, they would ask that and I don't, maybe. I yes. remember, I remember there was a, someone did a, in our church, someone did um, like an April Fool's joke. Mm -hmm. And I think the, I don't know if she was married yet, but okay. But the, the girl, she said, Hey, you know, God's been speaking to me about moving to, oh, I forget where it was. Was it Hawaii? It was some, some really far place uh -huh. from New York city <laughs> to be a missionary. 
and it was an April Fool's joke, but the boyfriend or the fiance or husband, I'm not sure at the time, he was like, wait, what do you mean? And she was like, well, I'm going to obey God no matter what. Right. So you're going to have to pray about what it is that you want to do. And then um, I remember it was so endearing because I think he said, well, this is really hard, but like, I don't want to leave New York City. This is where my family is, but this is what I'm familiar to. But if God is calling us, of course, wherever God calls me to go, I'll go. Yeah. You know, and um, I think she was like, ha just kidding, April Fool's. Yeah. God, you know, of course, we're meant to be here. This is where God called us to be. But even hypothetically, it's like, I think hard to let go of things when you think about them. Yeah. Because, and then you realize, wow, certain things do have a lot bigger of a hold in our lives than we think, Mm. you know? But I don't know. It's just a funny story, but yeah. But I think I, I think I know. What you, it's like even though it's like we feel an attachment to maybe New York or like this lifestyle and stuff like that. It's like we like. No, I lost it. It's gone. Yeah, but, but you know, like, but you know, it's talking about New York. Like though, there was an emphasis on do um our church being in New York, right? Yeah. Like where the cost of living is so high. I was actually putting up on my story. Um, it's good that you kind of like brought us back to that, uh, but like cool. the story in my, um, Instagram story, I was actually writing cause I actually had a meal with people in our church and my dish was, it was like a simple dish anywhere else. Honestly, it would be like nine bucks. It was 18, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But because it was in Union Square, it was mm. 19. Yeah. And then they, they asked me, would you like this other stuff? And I said, uh, for how much? They said 40 bucks. I was like, all right, let it's me see what it is. Yeah. And I couldn't even eat it all. But it was $23 for this one meal. Yeah. And... And this is just a uh, counterintuitive way of thinking about it because a lot of times we could be very black and white. Like, oh, therefore it's about less. It's about not having the things we want. But here's the other part, right? Um, Here we are in New York City because God has called us. Right. And I think a lot of married couples have this talk like, you know, why are we here here in New York City? We could be living like this really comfortable life, Mm. huge house in like Nashville or like... Virginia or Texas Montana and which is so true we could get like probably five times the amount of house that we could get (laughs) compared to the price in New York City that we get for this space right right but that's the other thing you know god I thought you're all about negating the needs and abstinence and making it small so that you know we live for you but god is saying no actually and I guess that's where I was going with the feasting in my mind just one step at a time is it's not that God wants us to make everything so small and eliminate so that we live this like really dried life of, you know, eliminate the couch, eliminate. That's not the point of where God's going. The purpose of God is so that wherever it is, whatever it is, whatever the cost, whatever the sacrifice that we can say yes to the call of God, Mm, to be faithful to where he's calling us. Right. Even if it means New York City, because New York City is a dense place where dense as in it's the population density, right? Mm. Of how many people we could reach for Christ in the highest of highest to the lowest of low. It's right here. Yeah. So it's counterintuitive of a business model, I guess. But 
in the kingdom of God, in the mind of God, we're making space, putting Christ in the center so that we follow him yeah. so that we could reach the people here. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. at the end, I think a lot of times, I guess there's a lot of nuance in that the nuance is the spirit's work in our lives. Mm. It's not about us eliminating these good things so that we turn to God. Right. It's really eliminated the things that take hold of us so that we let go. That hold is no longer in us so that we're freed up yeah. so that we can follow God completely mm. and the direction of God yeah. one step at a time to where he's calling us, even if it means um, New York City, right. where most people would be like, well, that's so lavish. Why don't you go somewhere else? Well, this is where God's calling us. God's not calling everyone to Africa. Yeah. God's not calling everyone to India or to third world countries. God's mm. calling us to like, to be here. Yeah. You know? So like a lot of married couples, you know, married couples will joke and say, well, we're basically paying extra mm for our rent and mortgage yeah. we're paying for the community of god yeah. <laughs> like i've heard people say that right um but it's kind of true we're really paying extra so that we can be here where we need to be here yeah. and sam talked about it like there were times he wondered like what's there like how can i provide for the kids yeah there were those times too but and you know, he probably talked about how our church as millennials are, you know, giving to the Lord, yeah. generously tithing and giving to the Lord so that the work of the ministry can be done. Mm. But yeah, it's not black and white, is right. it? It's opening up space and letting go and surrendering the, the idols in our lives, yeah. which is um, survival, which are competing commitments yeah. so that we could live for the kingdom of God right? because there's a greater purpose and need mm. than just what we drink and eat and yeah. wear and that God is not robbed or take telling us to not have those things, mm. but to rethink about, you know, yeah. what is it that you really need? Yeah. If you could eat less, um, in this case, like Jesus starved to declare and to do the will of God, mm -hmm. right? I think he's really asking that question, like, you know, what kind of life do you really want to live? Do yeah. you really want to live a life for the purpose of God? Or do you want to have your comfort and kind of miss out right. on so much more? the design and the purpose and the plans of God that he yeah. has for us. Yeah. One thing that came to my mind when you said that is like, is it necessary to, I don't know, I mean, this could be a long shot, but it's like, mm -hmm. is it necessary to be satisfied or is it necessary to live for the purpose of God? Cause I think it's like the temptation is like comfort, right? Survival and being satisfied or like, you know, you know, just, things that meet our whatever we perceive as, as our needs mm -hmm. like is that necessary for us or like is that necessity enough for us or are we willing to put that aside to pursue the purpose of god and make ourselves available whatever that means like whatever that availability looks like for meaningfulness and 
you know fulfillment and um just like mission you know like i think some driving transcendent purpose that keeps us going or like magnifies why we do what we do to such a greater degree yeah you're asking me right or are you just throwing it out there both yeah rhetorical yeah no i know yeah um but you know i i there are studies that even say and i don't want to go too emotional like emotional Mm. um direction but that people who are or tend to be stuck on kind of like in a moment or in a place or or even in uh this how what is it schematic um distortion distortions yeah. right or suffering of even depression and that the cure for it is to step out and to give back hmm. and they say that actually cures um and changes people's direction around. Yeah. That the very counterintuitive thing to give up the comfort in that moment of whatever coping mechanism, right? Mm. Or whatever um, need to hold on to the familiarity or the comfort of the moment. Mm. I'm not saying that this, the sickness is a comfort, but I'm talking about coping mechanisms of right. those things, whether it's isolation or... Um, you know, just not turning to people or giving back to people, but kind of just in your own space and kind of self-preserving, right? Mm. That study showed that when they when you come out of that and give back to something greater, that you actually find life and hope and direction. Mm. So I know it was a rhetorical question, but like, I think it goes back to there is something about something we can't see unless we actually do practice obedience and give up. Yeah. But I think in hindsight, there is enough reason for people to know that in hindsight, that there is a greater life worth living Mm. that is generous, that is missional, that is connected to outside of our own comfort zone. Yeah. That is way more, um, it's much, uh, what is the word? Uh, wor- it's worth fighting for mm. and sacrificing for than just the comfort of today. Yeah. Right? Right. So that is what God is. It's not always for bigger, better. Like it's not, it's not the talk of bigger, better, mm-hmm. but it is so much more meaningful Mm. so yeah so whether it's like attached men to things in the past or the things that have been part of us part of you and i going growing up um whether they're attached to things of belief systems or survival mentality um I I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead you step by step into the things where he is speaking about so that the presence of God could enter, mm. so the Spirit of God could enter, and so that you could be freed up of those things for the things of God, mm. for the things that God has in mind to replace that is um, way more than the things we think we need in the moment. Mm. 
So that's my prayer. So that really the dream and the prayer is so that we could live the dreams of God. Amen. You know, just going, just like last thing, going yeah. back to that whole list of things that could be solved in the world by Christians just being faithful to tithe. Yeah. Just like 10%, mm-hmm. right? If every Christian tithe, like that's, what did you think about that? Um, Man, it, it, I mean, first of like, first off, it's like, of like wow of all all the things that we could possibly do you know like if everybody tied you know it's just like that it just kind of blows you away right i'm glad you brought it up because like at first i was just like this is pretty wild that we can provide all these things if everybody just tied because you know it's like for the world yeah right and it's like i guess it's not strange that people don't tithe but it's just kind of like man imagine if people tithe and I guess it also like brought a bit of like, I guess like melancholy for me because it's like, wh- like wh- what does it what does it take for people to like agree that we can tie to impact the world? You know, like mm-hmm. on a collective scale or like on mm-hmm. a global scale, like what can we do or like what like how can how can we see together what God can possibly do through us if like it, and it's just money it's not even like time or like other resources mm-hmm. or like other ministries that are being it's just like 10 percent. just talking about money yeah it's just right? money right like mm-hmm. the small thing we can contribute to that can have this much of an impact like who knows what else we can contribute like whatever resources time or um you know talents gifts abilities like all these things that we can put together uh for the sake of the kingdom but it's just like even something so small or like you know it's not really small because i have issues with it too but like money um that we can all put together for the kingdom like that's that's huge like that's that's a lot of stuff we could do there's a lot of things that i think like god would probably you know be on board with you know i would i would think right so yeah that it's a collective of christians coming together to give right the tithe would lead to that and it's not it's not like a list of if rich christians were to tithe yeah. it's like all, all christians, christians and yeah. we're talking about like just christians in america mm. it was right yeah so if you make a hundred a week for say just to put it into perspective ten dollars each week yeah. would mount to something right if christians were to give mm-hmm. their tithe to you know so i think that i for me when i heard that i was like wow that is amazing yeah what tithes can do what god's people giving could do not only will it help the ministry to do more you know yeah like for example the dream that sam talked about having a gym and how much of that could become a safe haven of an outreach for people through basketball i mean like look at how kobe's death is impacting the world it's Mm. giving people second chances to live their right life a certain way because of impact that basketball has Mm -hmm. because in the end the gathering of basketball playing it seems so much more there's a deeper fellowship to it Mm -hmm. right so a church having a place where we could not only play basketball obviously gyms are so much more available or opportunity for other things but basketball alone of gathering of men coming together to play that's like a great dream Mm -hmm. it's it seems wonderful, but yeah. beyond that, it could solve world problems mm. if p- 
people were to give ten dollars yeah. per week out of their hundred dollar salary. So whatever it may be, the ten percent of that is not based on rich people. I guess yeah. that's a good that's like a point I wanna make because yeah. people are in different, you know, financial income places, brackets. Yeah. yeah, financial places. It's and tithe is not it's very um it's based on what you make. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not based on a certain amount then you can give because you matter. Yeah. But actually that ten percent matters. Yeah. You know? And I guess it's kinda like your friend said, well, yeah, you know, $10 to the counter side, like every little bit helps yeah. because you're trying to gather from more, right? And it's right. a collective that becomes a sum that <clears throat> delivers, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I guess I felt like we I, we needed to mention that. Yeah. Like I kept forgetting, but that list was pretty yeah. mind-blowing. That's a, that's a pretty important thing. I'm glad we didn't miss that because it's like, you know, it's, I guess it's like an anomaly that our church tithes almost like to completion. Like 90% is pretty mm -hmm. huge. We don't think about it that way. I think like as like a member here at this church who does tithe, like I don't think about it that way. It's just like normal. Like mm -hmm. we tithe. Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, we've been doing it for years mm -hmm. and just, I don't even think about it. Like It is part of our discipleship. Yeah, it's like I get a paycheck, mm -hmm. I like 10 percent has gone and I don't even think about it twice. Like there's mm -hmm. just no thinking about it, you know. Um, but it's like. I didn't think about scaling it on a national mm -hmm. level to think mm -hmm. about like, oh, like 5% of the country tithes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like some small number. And it's like, wow, we're 90% of that 5% tithing. And that's like, you know, like maybe there's like 100, maybe like 100 of us. Like let's say 90 of us comprise that 5%. And it's like there's like 300 million Christians around the world. And let's say there's like 300 million people in the United States and like 20% of us are Christian. You know, it's like, that's like a really small number. Yeah. And we can only, and like, no wonder why we have a tough time dreaming about it. It's because like we can't even see like the possibilities if like, unless like we've accumulated all that to see like what we can do. It's because we can't, we can't even begin to think about what we can do. Cause it's like, it's just not there. But like the fact that that highlights what is possible and what Christians today can do to really, you know, leave a, leave a footprint for God while we're here is that's monumental and I don't, I don't know i think it's like because tithing is like so principle driven it's like we know that the principle of giving first back to god what has been given to us is so that we can proliferate what god's mission is and what god is doing in our lifetime here you know it's like do we want to miss out on that i don't know i don't as a believer i don't want to miss out on that you know and so you know i'm glad that that was brought to like our church's attention and like i think it's important that it's brought to the attention of people too because it's like we can make a difference whether big contribution or small mm -hmm. contribution you know we already i think it's huge that our church has so much also because it's like we already i feel like we do so much you know on like a local scale like imagine what we could do on a national or global scale yeah no seriously yeah it was very encouraging yeah. to see the possibility. I agree with that, yeah. Right? It's like, oh, that's possible? Yeah. Okay. And it kind of, like, brings forth, like, the dreams of God and, yeah. like, colors it in even. Yeah, ending illiteracy, that's huge. Yeah. Right? Like, feeding people with 25 billion out of 125 billion, right? Like, that's, I don't know. I still have 100 billion left to do other ministries. I don't, that's Yeah, and think about lot. the impact of 
if that were possible, right, that impact that would leave about the witness of Christians. Yeah. It's monumental. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. I mean, that's something to think about. For sure. And, you know, you said it's easy, but, like, you know, I've been discipling people over the last, I don't know how long has it been now, yeah. over a decade, like, it's not <laughs> always easy. Right, yeah. But it is God's principle. Mm. And it is something people always talk about in testimony, how making God, uh, proclaiming and declaring that he's provider by giving 10% has changed their life. Right. Has changed their trajectory and future. Yeah. So it is, Definitely something to look into yeah. if you're not in that place of tithing mm. because it makes a difference. It makes an impact. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been great talking with you today, Joe. Oh, um, likewise. Thank you, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> and um, once again, we're going to um, ask you to stick around for the ministry time. We sing this powerful song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full to His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And it's kind of like the very... Actually, Sam requested for that oh. specifically this week um, because that song kind of encompasses what we're talking about, right. about what Jesus said, that it's in the presence of God, everything else, like Paul said, compared to knowing Christ, everything I thought from my degrees to my prestige to my place in life, my positionality of this world, of this materialistic world, he says, compared to knowing Christ, everything else is garbage he right. says like stuff you throw out don't even think twice about mm -hmm. like combining poo and everything yeah he said it's garbage compared to all these other things you know so and it is that's a song that is about that is about when god's presence starts leading your life mm -hmm. and my life when god's presence starts taking over everything else becomes finds perspective what it really is right. and it becomes very clear and there's a direction that opens up of the spirits leading in our lives and and that's what i want for my life and that's what i would pray for and would want for others mm. to experience this life where material things are put into perspective where even needs and survival is put into perspective in this world and we're, we're able to really focus and be led by something that is so powerful, impactful mm. for not just for ourselves, but for the world to know Christ and to be a witness of that. So, yeah, I mean, that's the song that we sing. And there's a powerful prayer at the end mm. for you to join in. And we'll see you next week. Yep. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Will you lift your hands to the Lord today in surrendering whatever hold has of your life? And Zuri, send this to 180 Instagram. Thanks, Zuri. With a pretty bird on top or something like that. That was nice.
But this is from Sarah Young. And um, would you, we want to invite you during the season of Lent to go to our Instagram. And every day there is uh, a devotional where you can do in five minutes when you drink your coffee in the morning. And it's a powerful reminder that God's walking with you. And this, this was day four. And Sarah Young writes, You are my beloved child. I chose you before the foundation of the world to walk with me. A long path designed uniquely for you. Concentrate on keeping in step with me instead of trying to anticipate my plans for you. If you trust that my plans are to prosper you and not to harm you, you can relax and enjoy the present moment. Your hope, your future are rooted in heaven where eternal ecstasy awaits you. Nothing can rob you of your inheritance of unimaginable wealth, riches, and well-being. Sometimes I grant you glimpses of your glorious future to encourage you, to spur you on. But your main focus should be staying close to me. I set the pace in keeping your needs and my purposes. You know, I still remember... In the last few years, at 180's juncture, where things were really hard. Things were so difficult, and I asked the question, God, did I make it harder for people starting this thing? It would have been better if we never started it. It was so difficult. My parents both died. We were going through tremendous turmoil. And everybody inhaled anxiety. Will we exist another year from now? And I remember a megachurch called me twice. They said, we want you to come to a place... I wouldn't mind going. And I said, God, what do you think? This is exactly where I want you to be. This is exactly what I want you to be. And then what was it? Exactly what I want you to become. I want to forget it. (laughs) And the whispers came. And the temptations of expediency are always there. What's better, what's good for me personally might not be good for the world or good for people around me. Even when you feel like you're creating negative value. I'm so glad that mammon was broken for me because of the presence of God at that moment. You see, we're never free completely from this material world because we have to live in it. But I invite you today as we go through the next 40 days of fasting and praying, that you allow the whispers of God to shape your destiny, shape your direction, shape your life. And I promise you, as Jesus began his mission those 40 days, that led to healing, deliverance, and a vision of the world that no one has ever seen before since, or ever will, that literally changed the world for the good of everyone in it. And I want to invite you to that story. Rather than expediency, rather than self-preservation, the greater value 
is what's changing eternity. The calling of eternity is here today, and I pray that you be weaned off what's temporary and hold on to what's eternal and the calling of God in your life. I pray, I unleash today in Jesus' name the calling of God in your life, that you would see it through, that the author and the finisher of your faith will help you complete it for the glory of God and the good of the world. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Remember, you can feast whatever you've been fasting on Sunday. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.